0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus hey what's going on everyone hope you had a happy halloween and welcome to november playoff football coming up this weekend and next in the canadian football league and of course the Grey cup not too far away as well and uh Well into the NHL season. No Jets on the ice tonight, but they are on the ice right now out in Vegas. Getting ready to try to be the first team to beat the Stanley Cup champs in regulation. The Vegas Golden Knights 9-0-1 on the season. Getting ready for tomorrow's tilt. Um, We're going to have a lot of hockey talk today. Um, Starting it off with Derek Van Deest from NHL.com. Had a great chance to catch up and meet Derek and hang out a little bit a couple of weeks ago when I was in Edmonton, and Derek is covering the Jets, Flames, Oilers, and Canucks, the Western Canadian teams for NHL.com. So we figured on, you know, with a couple of days between games, this would be a perfect time to uh, get Derek's take on all four Western Canadian teams. A great start for the Canucks, a pretty good start for the Winnipeg Jets, ugly starts for the two Alberta teams. So. We'll start off there. Coming up in about twenty minutes or so, and then we're going to get give you a Jets fix uh, in a uh, in a big way. JP Vijay, one of our favorites, um, you know, the former player, is going to jump on. We're, we'll get into some X's and O's about what this Winnipeg power play needs to do to turn it around, and also get JP, JP's thoughts on uh, the start of the season for the Winnipeg Jets, how the team looks different. Um, as well as performances from uh, some of the players on the club that we've been talking about quite a bit. And then Scott Billick a little bit later on with much more on the Jets and the Winnipeg sports scene coming over from the Winnipeg Sun. Um, There's a bunch of hockey news, which we'll get to right off the bat to kick off the program. And, uh, hey, just right off the top, and we'll mention this in a few minutes, but I want to give a big shout out to uh, Raymond, Chris, Derek and Derek, Leighton, Stephen, Dave, One Bird, the crew that joined us for Movember. Uh, Grow those stashes, gentlemen, and um, we'll keep you up to date on that and uh, how you can uh, help us support the Movember cause and raise money for men's health initiatives uh, over the course of the month while the guys grow their stashes. So thanks again to everyone that is participating with us and uh, looking forward to being doing some fun things with Modern Man throughout the month for Movember as well. Listen, just before... We bring in Michael Remus and get this thing going. A big shout-out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, the great taste of the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop, as well as Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Winnipeg Jets, and, of course, the great taste of little brown jug. Let's get Remus in here and uh, Remo. So first off, how did uh, how did Halloween go? How did the kids enjoy it? And um, I- I'm most excited for your Halloween analytic report on uh, candy and guests last night at the at the Remus house. Yeah,
1: we uh, the a- analytics got derailed. You know, it's a lot tougher to keep analytics when you're trying to wrangle uh, a one year old. And give out candy, so uh, no analytics this year, but it was good win, we you know, I started start around like 5.45, went for like 45 minutes just on our street, got a nice hall, there was one house, uh, maybe two that had full-size bars, which was a win. Big
0: flex, big flex. Yeah, which,
1: which was certainly a win, we did not go back to that house multiple times, although I uh, joked about it, and there was a really nice group on our street of, you know, uh, kids around my son's age, so... Saw all his friends. It was a lot of fun. Great night out. You know, we got out early uh, before the sun went down. I haven't seen this much snow in a while. We definitely had to bundle up more, definitely more than last year. But I think Halloween's great. You get out, everyone's in a good mood. You see a lot of good costumes, eat candy. Uh, It's great. What were the, uh, like, of the kids? And I know you would have had probably a
0: ton of, you know, younger kids coming over. Mm -hmm. Was there... Was there a most popular costume? Was there uh, one that just kept on showing up mm. each and every night? Or, uh, or was there just some that stood out?
1: A couple kid firefighters, but no. I don't think I really saw anything that said a lot of creative stuff out there. I don't even remember lots of them. I said we got a Superman costume for him. Well, he liked that. I don't even know if he like knows Superman, but it's just such a sweet name. Sup- Superman. Yeah, how, how can you how can a 4-year-old not get into Superman. I you what? not get into that. So uh I had a great time and I'm seeing people in chat as well, going we to show. So I think I think we had like yeah, Julian said he had 31 kids. I think we had about the same as as Donnie
0: Boy. Donnie Boy's on a busy block. 125 kids at Donnie Boy's spot. Man, you got a budget Running for that. Running Man had 46
1: that's crazy, 125, no, there are some crazy streets out there that really get into it, I think, and, you, and all the kids know to go to it, that's not my street, I don't know, you don't want that many kids, I think we turned the lights out like 8.30, we were done, it was getting dark, maybe there are a couple stragglers, you know, older kids lying around, but uh, 8.30, I went and played hockey, so it was actually a pretty good night for me. Hey, l- let me ask
0: you, when you were a kid, yeah. trick-or-treating, what did you say
1: at the door? Trick or treat,
0: trick or treat. Did you ever say Halloween yeah, apples?
1: Yeah, I think my dad told us to say that. I do remember saying. saying Cause I saw who was it? Was Barkevious tweeting Brent, about Brent that?
0: Bellamy. Brent oh, Bellamy. Brent Bellamy had a fascinating thread yesterday on Twitter about how Halloween apples was, I guess, some sort of a Winnipeg thing, mm-hmm. and that if you're sort of over 35, you would probably remember that. I I had no idea that that was extinct. Um, And again, Brent's, uh, Brent's Twitter feed is, is it Brent underscore Bellamy?
1: Yeah, I saw that he tweeted this too. And I see the picture with the UNICEF box. I remember, I remember people coming with those. I don't know if that, I think, what do you think UNICEF is done. They're not around anymore, or do you just hold out your well, did phone? You, did you
0: Did you see any
1: UNICEF no. uh, boxes just last show... night? You show... tell me. You You had boots on the ground. You were in the midst of it. All. I didn't see any. People just do their QR code now. Is it all 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 digital? You just show. <laughs> you just walk around with a QR code around your neck.
0: But yeah, but anyways, this, this this thread, and it's really interesting. I mean, you'd have to read it for yourself. You can't really go through the whole thing because it's somewhat long, but. Kind of diving into the history of how that, I had no idea that that was a unique Winnipeg saying. Um, And he dove in for the first sign of it in the newspapers and kind of the story behind it. Um, And I mean, I guess at one point they were giving out apples, there was bobbing for apples, there was candy apples that were Mm -hmm. there. Um yeah, Halloween apples dipped in taffy. That was the thing. And I and I remember getting one or two of those as a kid and always think that was sort of a unique, a cool thing to have, and those are really good. Um but anyways, I I just thought I'd bring that up. It was a really, really fascinating little read on Twitter. Much better than most of the most of the stuff we get on that app quite often. Um but um, but yeah, I guess that's not really a thing anymore. Like, like, did you ever hear anybody say that last night? Or
1: I mean, I think it's pretty no. much just trick or treat. No, my son was practicing is trick or treats, but I think he got a little shy at some of the doors. He kept going around yesterday saying trick or treat, smell my feet. But I, he wouldn't say that, wouldn't say <laughs> that to any of the houses we we went to. But uh, hauled out his bag, said thank you. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. And then tricked. Trick or get-
0: treat! Smell my feet! Give me something good to eat! Yeah,
1: a- <laughs> that, he's been repeating that one all week. He was ready, but I think you get, I think practicing and game action are two different things when you're when you're trick or treating. Oh, uh, Gene Okerland in chat. Uh, UNICEF only takes Bitcoin, which yeah. probably is
0: tough to to put in the little boxes right now. And hey, Dale Berazuk, thank you very much for uh, jumping on and becoming a member of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You love yeah. to. Uh, see it. Um, anyways, everyone can now uh, get. How was the haul, though? I mean, were you eating all Evans candy as you claim that he doesn't really like it?
1: Uh, let's see. We split some. He got. He didn't get as big. We didn't go as long as last year, I think, because it was so cold. He got a decent bag. Um, what did we have? We had some all dressed chips after we went for the chips. Uh, he likes Smarties. He actually likes Smarties, so he had Smarties. I don't know what else he had. I think that was that was it. I'll, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. You know, we didn't have a lot of kids, so uh, we have a lot of leftover candy here. So I just had a Coffee Crisp before the show, and my wife was having some Smarties. What else? We got Kit Kat. We got that one. Smarties, Kit Kat, Coffee Crisp. What's the other one? Arrow. We got that pack from Costco. So that's uh, a great pack.
0: <clears throat> nice. I just picked up a, a pack from Shoppers, I think, that had Snickers, <laughs> both kinds of M&Ms, Twix, and Mars bars, that's which, a good uh, one too. Yeah, th- I mean that that is a, is a good combo. But uh, anyways, I hope everyone had a happy Halloween. Uh, but now we're into November. Can you believe it that the uh, the the holidays are just around the corner? And speaking of which of the holidays, just before we get into uh, the important stuff to talk about today, everything happening around the National Hockey League and the rest of the world of sports. Uh, here's a save the date notice for all of you folks. We're going to do a little holiday party um, on the 6th of December. It's a Wednesday uh, for probably 7 o'clock till 9, something like that. Um, raise a little money for probably the Christmas cheerboard, I'd imagine. Have a few of Winnipeg's favorite beers uh, down at Little Brown Jug. So mark that down. I think what we might do is similar to what we've done for the um uh, and we'll have details for this in the next few days similar to what we did for the trivia nights what we might do is do a uh, a ticket um but that ticket it'll be relatively inexpensive it'll give us a pretty good idea about headcount um, and we'll just have all the money from that that will essentially be the donation so I know our. I know the tickets for the last trivia night were six dollars and sixty six cents. Gregory made a point of pointing that out to me, a few times. Um, But it'll be in around that. We'll hopefully we'll make a nice uh, donation of a few hundred bucks to one of the very important Christmas charities. But give us a chance to uh, get everybody together. And what I'm hoping to have, of course, they've got that cool checks bubble hockey uh, game there. We may have to put together a little bit of a holiday tournament. Um, where you guys can take on us and uh, some of the other WS tiers. So uh, there you go, folks. Mark that sucker down. December 6th, <clears throat> we'll shoot for 7 p.m. Little Brown Jug down in the exchange. Should be a lot of fun. More details to come on that. All right. Uh, Reem, there's a bunch of things we want to get to right off the bat. We'll get to the bomber, uh, the CFL awards in just a minute. Um, or actually, you know, why don't we start there? Just because once we get on these hockey topics, it might kind of take us into DVD. Uh, I don't think there's any surprise that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are well-represented and the Toronto Argonauts well-represented when it comes to the final awards coming up for Grey Cup week. Uh, and it's the top two teams going head-to-head for the most outstanding player. No surprise, Chad Kelly gets the Eastern nomination, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that the Bomber nominee, Brady Oliveira, is going up against the quarterback of the 16 to uh, Argos after his 2,000-yard season um, that saw him nip Zach Caleros as the Bomber's representative, and now he's representing the West.
1: Yeah, I saw some big outrage, uh, mainly from Justin Dunk, who tagged us in a tweet saying, how how could they not vote for Zach? Yeah, he's the quarterback. The replies, the replies the, went crazy. And I think anyone who watched the Bombers, I mean, it's hard to argue with Brady's Season's most outstanding player, and you know maybe if it was most valuable, yeah, I think you, you'd probably pick the the quarterback. But you can't really argue with his numbers two thousand all-purpose yards. That's only been done, I think, fifteen times. I got a double second ch- Canadian ever to do it after yeah. John Cornish. Um, so it hasn't been done for a while. I had an outstanding season, um, you know, carrying the ball, also receiving. Um, so I had no problem with. It. I mean, it was t- a tough call. My issue is with the way that this system goes. You can only like, get one nominee, but um, he, what, he beat out Vernon Adams in the West, and I think that's fair. Vernon Adams, you know, not the most consistent, and I am curious if it's Oliveira versus Chad Kelly, because, like, Chad Kelly, how many games has he really played? And they've kind of been resting for the last bit. So I mean, the Well, team, he didn't play
0: the, in the one game everyone
1: yeah. wanted to see him in, and that was the one here in Winnipeg,
0: protecting mm-hmm. him, keeping him away from that bomber defense. Um, but listen, we all hope to see these teams go at it on uh, the 19th of November at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. We were just talking before the show about some plans for our Grey Cup, uh, our Grey Cup events. And um, by the way, in chat, Bomber fans, um, anybody already making a plan to get out to Hamilton? Um, and if you already are, fantastic, let us know. Um, maybe we'll do some sort of a WST gathering out in the Hammer. Um, If there's enough of you uh, all coming out there. So let us know if you're listening to the podcast later on and you are going fire us a tweet um, at sports talk uh, at sports talk WPG. Um, Who knows? There's often a lot of people that'll jump on it last minute after the team qualifies for the great cup. Obviously the bombers still have some work left to do, but um, would love to, would love to see you guys there for that. Okay. Let's run down this. Um, So most outstanding nominee, For the West is Brady Oliveira. For the East is Chad Kelly. Defensive player of the year. The West division nominee is Matthew Betts. I mean, he had that crazy season in sacks. I don't think that should be a surprise. Adarius Pickett, the defensive player for the East. Brady Oliveira also gets the most outstanding Canadian. Marc-Antoine Decoy of the Montreal Alouettes is the Eastern division nominee. Now... In a way, I think that might harm Brady's chances to win the MOP. I have a feeling that there'll be some people who will say, well, we're voting Brady for the outstanding Canadian. We'll vote for Chad Kelly for the Eastern nominee. Um, And listen, Kelly certainly deserved to be there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But Brady Oliveira up for both awards, the Canadian and the top player, which is definitely cool. And Jamarcus Hardrick of the Bombers gets the offensive lineman nod He's going up against John Allen of Toronto. You know, it's been Stanley Bryant, Stanley Bryant, Stanley Bryant. This year, Jamarcus Hardrick gets the nod. And man, it would be great to see him win that award considering he has in some ways been a little bit in the shadow of Stanley Bryant, certainly around awards week each and every year. Uh, Special teams is Javon Leak from Toronto and Sean White. I think White is a slam dunk to win that one considering his incredible season kicking for the BC Lions. Rookie of the Year nominees, Kai Gray from the Edmonton Elks, and Quantes Striggers of Toronto. What an amazing name. Quantes, Q-W-A-N-apostrophe-T-E-Z. That's one of the great names in the entire... I would vote for him just because of his name. Uh, And then, of course, you've got the Coach of the Year nominees. No surprise there. Mike O'Shea and the Dinwizzle, Ryan Dinwiddie from the Argos. Um, a lot of Bombers, a lot of Argos, and uh, when you look at the seasons both of those teams had, I don't think we should be surprised.
1: Yeah, not surprised at all. Those are the two premier teams in the league, and just looking at league leaders, um, you know, Chad Kelly did actually play. <laughs> I was ripping on him for not playing some games. I guess it was just here, and maybe sparingly in other games, but he did play majority of the games. He was... Third in the league in passing TDs. How about Zach up there, number one passing TDs? Passing yards was Vernon Adams, who Brady beat out in the West. Number two is Zach. I mean, he had a pretty outstanding. See, I'm going to talk about pick sixes and, you know, mistakes and stuff. But, I mean, his overall numbers are up there with any QB. And part of that is, I mean, how many QBs in the league were starting the whole season? There's so many QB injuries around the league and here looking at rushing yards there's Brady 1534 next closest Kevin Brown 1141 and Brady leading the league in rushing TDs as well i mean you no know, Brady's got you know just under 500 uh, receiving yards as well to go with those 1500 rushing yards so i'm i'm curious i do wonder if they do give it to quarterback Chad Kelly but i think hard hard to argue with with Brady and i wonder if it was Zach would Zach have a better shot of beating Chad Kelly because He's a quarterback and his quarterback numbers are better than Chad Kelly's quarterback numbers.
0: Well, let's start this right now. Brady Oliveira for MOP. I know I just said that it might be easier to vote for Chad Kelly because he certainly get the Canadian votes, but I mean, he's fourth in passing yards, third in touchdowns, 10 behind Zach Caleros. Mm -hmm. And Brady Oliveira is far and away the best at his position. And it, it, it had to be that to get the nominee. So, uh, I don't know. It'll be it'll be on us to keep on uh, stroking Brady Oliveira. So there you go, Bomber Award winners and uh, and nominees from the West and the East for the award show, which will happen in Hamilton on Great Cup weekend. Uh, all right, let's get to the NHL. Derek Van is going to join us in just a couple minutes. Um, a very quiet career off the ice for Paul Stastny and a very quiet retirement. Pierre Lebrun writing in The Athletic Late that he was just checking in to see how things were going with Paul. And he said, oh, yeah, I haven't filed yet, but decided in September that that was it. Um What a great career for a guy that speaks so highly of his time in Winnipeg
1: and made an impact everywhere he played. Yeah, 1,145 games, 822 points in his career, 146 games with the Jets. And he had 87 points and spoke very highly, as you said, in that article in The Athletic with Pierre Lebrun. You know, he wasn't the flashiest player. He wasn't the fastest player. And didn't have the best shot, but you could tell he thought the game very well. Very smart, always in the right spot, uh, always passing very well. And he was kind of the one player, Hus, who when he centered Line A and Ehlers, he kind of was able to unlock uh, both of their talents. He fit in so well here. It was unfortunate that he, you know, had to sign that contract with Vegas, at the, you know, after that season, you wonder what kind of impact he could have made here, uh, in, you know, twenty eighteen, nineteen. But, you know, we can, that's bigger on that. But, uh, I mean, great career started with, with draft, drafted with Colorado, then St. Louis, Winnipeg, Vegas, and spent quiet year last year in Carolina, impactful with them, on the fourth line. He played eleven, you know, almost twelve minutes a night. Uh, you probably could have hung on somewhere else, but I think, look, you get older, you played a while, 37, almost 38 in uh, December, and you got family concerns. Maybe you get tired of moving around and going through the yeah, motions, he, I guess.
0: I don't know. He, I mean, he said uh, just, you know, it's not like he, he still loves the game, but just sort of knew it was time. And mm-hmm. um, it was a great piece from uh, from LeBron, um, you know, talking about his relationship with his dad and, Uh, Peter was pretty much always right, and uh, you know the time was right for Paul Stastny to retire. So, um, listen, congratulations on a great, great season, a great career. I think the last time we had him on the program was when he played his one thousandth game. Um, So we'll certainly reach out and see if we can get Paul back at uh, some point. Talk a little bit of his time in Winnipeg and uh, the great career that he had. Um, Derek Van Deese is going to join us right away. I'll certainly talk about this with him, Remo, but the huge news today. Well, first of all, Nick Backstrom stepping away from the Washington Capitals. Very emotional Caps locker room. Not sure whether that's the last we've seen of him. He's dealing with health issues um, and has not been himself so far this season. But holy smokes, the Ottawa Senators get the hammer dropped by the National Hockey League. Find a first-round pick in either 24, 25, or 26 for not disclosing Evgeny Dadonov's no-trade clause to the Vegas Golden Knights in a uh, um, an embarrassing mishap that looked bad on the Golden Knights. They maintained that they did nothing wrong. They've been vindicated in this, and uh, the National Hockey League... Really treating this with a uh, with a heavy
1: hand. Yeah, just on Nick Nicholas Baxtermas, thirty five years old, coming off multiple surgeries. He thought he you know what sadder all last season. Thought he could come back, and just you know hasn't been able to play at the level that you've known him to. And stepping away for injury related reasons that's, that's unfortunate. And that was a bomb, Hus. Uh, you know we had last week Shane Pinto suspended forty one games, harsh punishment. And today Ottawa it'll be you know first round pick they get to choose which year 24 25 26 but yet not disclosing um you know the tr- no trade protection in the with the Daronof deal to Vegas and remember at that deadline Vegas tried to deal Daronof to Anaheim and then it got vetoed because they didn't know and they, as you said they said they did nothing wrong they fought this and vindicated Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and Ottawa is having a press conference later this afternoon. You wonder what it means for uh, the future of Pierre Dorian. They have the new ownership group, new president Steve Steos, as well. Uh, we'll see what they come out and say. But the NHL not really giving a lot of details. As they said that's all. They put out their press release and said that's all we're going to say. So you have these two big suspensions. Uh, not, a, not a ton of details are known about the Pinto suspension And this one as well. Yeah,
0: what a couple weeks it's been for the Ottawa Senators. Jeez. Well, and listen, I mean, I think, I mean, we know what it's like being a general manager in Canadian market, the amount of scrutiny you're under, the spotlight that you're under, the pressure. I'm just imagining, like, if Kevin Chevalier off here, if Ken Holland, I mean, you know, in Edmonton, had done, had made a mistake like this, where it was managerial malpractice that had cost their team, a first-round selection, um, listen, you, know, you you think things get heated in the chat every now and then. Just imagine what the scene would be like uh, with that. Um, I think this is only the second time a first-round pick has been forfeited. Of course, the other time was the Coyotes' 2021 first from the John Chayka um, fitness testing draft prospects uh, outside of the regulations. Um, there was, but it, Go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, and then, of course, the Sens are going to lose a first pick
1: in uh, one of those uh, next three years. Yeah, it's been a couple times, cap-friendly. Uh, they say the ninth time it's been forfeited. You remember uh, the Devils? Had, oh, sorry. Just a yeah.
0: draft pick, period. A draft a pick first period. round. Sorry, sorry,
1: first. You're right, you're right. Second, first. And the Devils had to forfeit a third-round pick in 2011 because of the Kovalchuk contract. Uh, so... But yeah, this is a crazy uh, first-round pick. That's a big penalty, us in terms of, you know, it's pretty simple. Guys got a no-trade clause, and you trade him, You got to tell the, what the next team, and they, they said what Vegas thought, that it wasn't submitted, and it was, and Ottawa didn't let them know. I th- I'm, we're pretty sure that that is what happened, but big punishments for Ottawa, and for a year, Huss, I mean, this is the year they're supposed to take the step forward. You know, we've been hearing about all these young players for so long, uh, Tim Stutzla you know Drake Batherson Thomas Rabat who's injured Jake Sanderson I mean this is a good team and uh, a lot of off-ice stuff uh going on so hopefully for them you know it's a very late first round pick if, uh, yeah, if no things go the way you that
0: think. as they say we're expecting Derek van deest we'll talk to him about that and then focus in on the Western Canadian teams JP JPvJ coming up Scott Billick as well um listen as we get into the um as we get into November, um, a big shout-out to Movember. I mentioned the WST team. Big thanks to Raymond, Chris Nielsen, Derek Honer, Derek Schmidt, Leighton Janice, Stephen Ostash, Dave Asplund, and the one and only OneBird for jumping on with us. We're teaming up with Modern Man to raise important funds for men's health. And uh, the WST team will be wearing the stashes. Maybe on Friday. Uh, we've already got a couple picks. We'll, uh, we'll show off the clean-shaven WSTers that are part of the team. And then we'll, uh, we'll keep tabs on those stashes throughout the, uh, the afternoon. But um, Remo, fill people in. I mean, obviously, we've got the WST team set up. We're hoping people can make donations and support the cause. And we do have that. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube right now, the QR code which can take you right directly to the
1: WST page to uh, throw a donation down. Yeah, we've got a team page here. So if you want to if you're listening on the podcast or here you're on YouTube, it's in the description of the of the show, uh, winnipegsportstalk.com. It is at the top of the menu. Uh, if you're on your phone, you got to click the three dots on the top right to bring up that menu. Um, and yeah, if you want to scan the QR code, uh, the QR code is right there. If you're watching on your TV, you can take your phone up and just scan it, and it'll take you to the page. Donate. We've already got a couple uh, donations as well. We started nice. off with a little. Uh, Chris Nielsen is in. Uh, so we have. I'll show you. So here's all our team on the page. Kind of cool how they do this.
0: Looking then, good,
1: guys. And then here, there's Derek Honea. He's got wearing the WST hoodie. Right on, Derek. Shaven. Who else we got there's Chris right there all these guys Mike Lindbergh clean shaven he's got a chief set so
0: Mike oh yeah that's right Mike was in there Mike by the way I don't know if you were able to um to sign up because I was sending to that email that you had I got and, I got him
1: uh, he, he's in I sent him to a different one okay Mike Lindbergh
0: sorry I, I don't think I mentioned Mike when I was running down the uh, running down the squad so and great hat as well Mike um So uh, you know how to do it. Uh, Modern Man's also also, uh, running a bit of a contest for everyone that is growing stashes throughout the month. We'll let you know about that. But basically what you need to do is just jump by any of the Modern Man barbershops in town. Um, I mean, there are eight locations. I think they're up to nine now. So there's one near you. And uh, you'll probably need to wait a week or two to get that stash going. Uh, But just snap a selfie in front of a modern man um and we'll let you know they've got some great prize packs as well for people that are supporting the cause so uh big shout out to modern man and especially team wst for our november initiative and uh we'll look forward to continuing that and having some fun with it throughout the month and most importantly um raising some money and thanks to everyone that's uh, donated so far great start for the November squad. squad. Um, we gotta thank our friends at moderate, at uh, Aquatech. I mean, you know, they're the pool experts in town, but unfortunately it's not really pool season in Winnipeg right now. However, whole home renovations start with Aquatech. With thousands of renos as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options and we talked a lot about halloween a little colder than normal there's already ice forming on the river um winter is here folks are you ready for it that's the question that manitoba battery has for you make sure that your battery is good to go for the cold winnipeg winter if you want to come by for a free test pop by and see them at 1026 logan avenue they'll be happy to test it for you um but if you do know that your car truck needs a battery shop local Get the best price in town, bar none. Manitoba Battery beats the pants off the big box stores when it comes to price. And the best service as they will be uh, delivering it to you for free, anywhere inside the perimeter with any purchase over $60. bucks. is just that easy. And, of course, they've got the winter-ready sale right now with another 10 bucks off their great prices on all automotive batteries. Head on down right now. To Manitobabattery.com. Get your order in. You can give them a phone call if you've got any questions. Great staff there will help you out. 783-8787. And of course, you can pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, hey, gotta remind you folks. I mean, it's uh, an, we'll have an extra week before we get to IG Field and rejoin some CC and Gingers and hopefully toasting some CC to the bombers heading to the Grey Cup. But November 4th, coming up this Saturday. Is the manitoba liquor mart's premium spirits release and canadian club has a limited one-time release of their invitation series 15 year old sherry cask get on down limited supplies this won't be around long a perfect gift for the whiskey lover in your life 79.99 the canadian club invitation series 15 year old sherry cask Saturday, November 4th, at Manitoba Liquor Marts. And again, a huge thanks to Canadian Club for their support of us. Of course, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we always remind you to please enjoy responsibly. All right, let's talk some pucks. Had a great time meeting up with Derek Van Deest of NHL.com a couple weeks ago when we were in Edmonton. And, of course, last week in Edmonton, maybe a little busier than the one before with the Heritage Classic, Derek covering all four Canadian, Western Canadian teams for NHL.com. Joins us now, DVD. It was great to meet you and great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Good, I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I want to talk to you about the Jets and Canucks and all the teams, but uh, first off, how was the, uh, I mean, the week before I was there, there was a lot of anticipation for the Heritage Classic, a lot of worry afterwards that McDavid wouldn't be a part of it. He sort of came back, saved the day. What was the, uh, now we a few days removed. How much of a success was the event?
2: Oh, it was a great success. It was a fantastic event. Uh, they pulled it off at the end. There was a little concern uh, when it came to whether or not the stadium would be sold out. There was concern whether or not Connor McDavid would be able to play. Uh, there was concern about hopefully the weather would hold up because it was a little chilly going in. Uh, but it all kind of all came together at the last minute. Uh, the stadium was sold out. The game was a fantastic game and Connor McDavid was able to play. And so and then the owners won. And I think that's kind of what made it uh, a, a, good, a good event for a lot of the fans in the stands. A lot of people from Calgary came up uh, to Edmonton to watch this event, which was good as well. So uh, I think, you know, they put on another outdoor game and, and we were talking about this. I think I talked about this uh, with you know with a few people from the NHL about how people are still talking about that game 20 years ago when it happened. It was played in minus 25 and there's orders in the Canadians. And, and you hope that 10, 20, 15, 20 years from now, People will be talking about this game because uh, it was overall it went off without a hitch. It was a fantastic event. The only concerns of the entire event were how crowded the concourse got, but that was kind of expected when you pack fifty-five thousand people into that stadium. So um, it was a, it was a fantastic event overall.
0: Well, I and, uh, and listen. Having McDavid back was uh, huge for the Oilers, huge for the league, and huge for the event as well. The one thing that you know seemingly was absent from it. And I think back to the, the 2015 game here in Winnipeg and what a huge success that was. The alumni game for that event with the old 80s Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets, to be honest, was almost as big as the real game when it came to the star power of it all. Um, no alumni game uh, this year. Was that uh, Were you surprised at that? And is that something that they're sort of
2: phasing out? I was a little surprised at that. And I think a lot of it had to do with the alumni game 20 years ago, really chopped up the ice. They, they, they really had troubles fixing the ice after the Mm. alumni game was played. They only had a couple, an hour, a couple hours to kind of fix the ice. And so I think that that really affected the quality of play in the, in the game that counted. And, And I think that's something that they were looking at and saying, listen, in the NHL, there's a rule. No one can be on the ice. I think it's like three hours before a game or something like that. There's, so they, they wanted to kind of abide by that because they saw what happened the last time. They had a lot of alumni in town. They had a lot of players that had played in that game 20 years ago in town. They had they honored them on the Thursday night when the Rangers were here. Uh, but as far as playing a game, I think they just said, listen, last time we did this, it was just too much for that ice surface. We just don't want to get into that situation again where we aren't able to kind of fix it up for the for the regular season game. Uh, so they decided to forego the alumni game. They had a lot of alumni events. There was a lot of people here. They, they kind of tied it in with that. But, yeah, no alumni game. I think it would have been fun to see some of the old flames and some of the old Oilers out on the ice again. Uh, but I think that was one of the reasons is just they felt that that ice surface outdoors probably couldn't handle two games in a span of a couple hours.
0: Now, uh, DVD, I, I want to get back to uh, your thoughts on the Jets and the rest of the teams in the West, but I just have to ask you about the big, um, the big news today. The Ottawa Senators getting clipped a first-round pick for the uh, mishap in relation to the uh, trade protection of Evgeny Dadonov. I see Frank Cervelli just in the last five minutes tweeting that sources say that Sens are making a change of position at the GM position and Pierre Dorian out after eight seasons. But what do you make of the punishment and the situation that this does to the Ottawa Senators under new ownership now paying the price for something that happened in the past?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's always the issue, right? The, you you the, the new ownership and the new kind of regime is going to pay for the sins of the past. And this is, this is something that happened two years ago. Uh, and it's been taken two years to kind of investigate the situation where they tried to trade a player that had a no movement clause. I, I think I recall the situation and then they had to send him back because of that whole situation. And now they, they obviously figured that they knew he had a no movement clause and they traded him anyway. Um, but yeah, this is going to really, really uh, hamstring the, the Ottawa Senators. I think I think the draft pick is, they can choose whether it's 2024, 2025 or 2026, I believe I saw in the release. So yeah, this is not good. It, this is not good if you have a new regime there. Steve Stiles is there now. They have a new ownership now. Um, yeah, it's it's not good for the old regime and I think uh, this might be a third strike here for Pierre Dorian if, if you know this comes back to him and and, and, and when you get punished, that's a severe punishment when you take away a first round pick. And I think it's only happened seven times before in the history of the league where the team has come down and punished that team that bad. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, you know, the crime usually fits the punishment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that the senators did something that they probably shouldn't have been doing a couple of years ago. Um, and, yeah, it's a, not a good way to start, especially if you've got a young team and you want to add to that core, that young core, and you want to turn that franchise around. That's a big blow to to not have a first-round pick to not just use, but to deal with, or, or, or to kind of use, and that's a huge asset to lose if you're an organization like what the Ottawa Senators.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, listen, I know a lot of the online discourse is like, uh, "Where was that sort of a punishment for the Blackhawks and the uh, you know the sexual assault scandal and whatnot?" I mean, two very different things. I won't speak to that. I mean, they refined a lot of money. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs. But when it comes to, I mean, I think the reason why this was of such importance was of the effect that it had on the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, they were making that trade in concert with some other moves of trying to, you know, do the Jack Eichel deal at that time. Um, And Vegas was very clear, like they did nothing wrong. In some ways, this is somewhat vindication for them. Not that Ottawa losing a first-round pick helps them out at all, but a very clear message from the NHLPA to the member clubs – Um, that this better not happen again or there are um, serious consequences.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, it's it's a big punishment. I think a lot of people looked at that this morning and go, wow, okay, that's big. And and that's, you know, that's something else. You can't try and pull a fast one on the league. And I think maybe that's what they thought here is that the Ottawa Senators are trying to pull a fast one here uh, and by trading a player out of no movement clause. Um, So I think, yeah, that's something that they obviously felt that Senators knew they were doing something wrong. And they still try to get away with it. And I think that's maybe why the punishment was so harsh.
0: DVD, uh, let's get to uh, your beat covering uh, the four Western Canadian teams for the National Hockey League. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you told me that you were coming on the show 10 games into the season and we'd start by talking about the Vancouver Canucks, I would have thought you might have been nuts. But I think we almost have to. A big win last night. The talking effect seems to be working. He's benching guys at part of the game. They're coming back and scoring goals. Elias Pettersson is truly a superstar in this league right now. Um, tell us about the Canucks' start to the season and what you've seen and um, just how impressive their uh, uh, out-of-the-gate period has been, um, challenging Vegas at the top of that Pacific Division.
2: Yeah, it's it's been impressive. Uh, you know, they do have some stars on that team. It's not like they don't have uh, an absence of stars. You know, Quinn Hughes is a star. Elias Petterson's a star. They have a very good goaltender, and Thatcher Demko is playing extremely well. Um, But I also think that they have that new attitude under Rick Tockett that they've come in. Rick Tockett came in last year and right away questioned this team's work ethic and and desire and drive. And he said, we're going to change this attitude of this hockey team. Like this team, we have to work harder. We have to be harder to play against. We have to be harder in front of the net, harder in the corners, harder everywhere on the ice. And and I, we saw that firsthand in the first two games against the Oilers. They simply outworked the Oilers. They destroyed them in the opening game. And then they, they were able to kind of sneak out that second game. But I think that's basically been the M.O. here. And talking to the Canucks, seeing them come into town, and and, and they're just maturing. Like, Alex Peterson, when he came into the league, he was such a skinny little guy. Like, it was almost surprising how thin he was. And now he's really kind of bulking up. You can see him maturing. You can see him getting bigger. When Hughes, the same thing. He was a young kid. Now he's maturing and getting bigger. So you're seeing a lot of these guys kind of coming to their own. And, and really, they have a great supporting cast there. And they're getting it done by committee. They, I think there's a lot of guys that are chipping in. And, and all four lines are going. All six defensemen are contributing. And they're getting great goaltending. So I think there's something there. Excuse me. I think there's something there. Um, You know, a lot of people think, are the Canucks for real? And I think, yeah, they might be, because they've been a hard, hard team to play against, even though the games that they've lost, they've played hard. So, yeah, they were were very impressive last night. I I was up watching that game, uh, and I was very impressed with with just their work ethic and their ability to kind of take advantage of their chances. So I think they're for real, and that just throws another mix into this tough division. They said the Pacific Division is going to be a tough division. I think that just throws another curveball into that. Uh, and I, and I, like, I like their game right now. And can they maintain that for 82 games? We'll have to see because they play hard every mm. night.
0: Well, you know, talk is going to keep his foot on the gas and uh, demand the accountability from players that maybe hadn't been there in the past. We may as well go from west to east and finish up with the Jets. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the Pacific Division in a lot of ways. The Central, which was such a, a, a meat grinder for the last few years, has sort of weakened. And the strength has sort of moved west to the Pacific. Which is very challenging for the Alberta teams who've had very, very tough starts. I think a lot of people kind of were shocked by the 8-1 win by Vancouver over the Oilers in game number one and then coming to Edmonton and winning game number two has not gone well for Edmonton so far. Now, Granted, they got Connor McDavid back and they won the Winter Classic and that's going to be maybe a jumping off point, but um, expectations are so high for Edmonton, Derek. Um, How would you assess their play so far and how this team is handling the pressure of being a preseason Stanley Cup favorite early on this season?
2: Well, I don't think they've handled it well early on, and I think they they had this bit of a sense of entitlement coming into the season early on where they thought, well, we're just going to show up and teams are going to realize that, hey, we got Connor McDavid, we got Leon Dreisler, we got Evander Kane, we got Brian Nugent Hopkins, we have all these great players, and they're just rollover for us. And that's not happening. They are playing hard. Like, they're getting... They, they there is a sense that they knew that other teams are going to use them as a benchmark. They're going to use them to see where they where they were in the standings or how they kind of fit in in the league. And then the teams are playing them hard and the owners have to realize that, you know what, they have to play hard. It's a long road back to the playoffs. It's not just that just starting the playoffs again. And hopefully we can make on that run. It's a long, hard road back. And I think they realize that they're starting to realize that, hey, teams are going to play us hard. We have to elevate our game. And they're, right now, the problem is with the Oilers is they're not getting any secondary scoring. They're not getting any help uh, you know, set, you know, from the bottom half of that lineup. Uh, I think they got five or six guys without a point so far eight games into the season. So I think those guys have to kind of step it up a little bit. They need a bit more offense from the bottom end. And last year, they had so many guys that had career years uh, that this year th- there was going to be a natural dip in that. Guys, you can't have go from one career year to the next. These obviously a natural dip. Nugent Hopkins is not going to get 100 points this year. Uh, you know, other players are not going to get 20 goals like they did last year. So I think they have to figure that out. And the, 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 for Heritage Cossie, was a good step. I thought they worked hard. They played hard in that game. Uh, they were up 3-2 going in the third period. I thought they, they managed the game well in the third period. But again, again, they're playing against a Calgary team who is really, really, really struggling right now. They, they, they can't figure it out. And they're wondering in Calgary whether they continue doing way we're doing or do we blow it up? So I think that's that's something that uh they're really gonna have to figure out uh in there in in Calgary. Hopefully they turn it around in Edmonton. You know what
0: just before we get to the flames, um and you mentioned just the the lack of you know bottom six scoring. I mean is it there and just needs to come around or I mean Ken Holland and his crew, I mean do they have some more lineup adjustments or a massaging of the roster that needs to happen if this team is going to meet its potential that many people believe that it has
2: i think they do have to massage the roster a little bit i think i think they they, they have to kind of find that mix that they had last year like last year everything went well for them everything worked out um and i think you know they are just not having that mix right right now this year i think they're having issues with that um and they'll, they'll figure it out um but it's just a matter of it's just trying to
0: find that right mixture. makes you. The, as, uh, as concerning as the start is in Edmonton, I think everyone realizes they're still in a pretty good spot considering the horses they've got in the lineup. Very different feeling around the Flames right now. I mean, uh, I was at the game, the opening game of the season, and the Jets sort of blew that one. They were clearly the better team for most of the 60 minutes. That's one of only two wins the Calgary Flames have on the season, and mm-hmm. they've got a very good Dallas Stars in the do- uh, team in the Dome tonight. Coming out of the loss to their arch rivals in the Winter Classic, how dire does the situation feel this early around the Flames?
2: It, it's it's really dire. It's it's a situation where you got Jonathan Huberto locked up for a long time. You got uh, Nazem Kaji locked up for a long time. Those are going to be your two pillars, and they're not playing very well. So I think that that's the issue right now is that those two guys aren't playing well very well. They got I think six or seven guys that are up for UFA's this year. So they're going to have to do, what are they going to do with those guys? Are they going to try and resign him? Are they going to go in a different direction? There's a lot of decisions to be made here. Do you blow up this team and start again? Or do you hope to kind of be able to salvage that? And and then I feel bad for Craig Conroy because those weren't his signings. He didn't sign Huberto for that long. He didn't sign Kaji for that big contract, I think. And so now he's, he's kind of taken those over and now he's got to move forward with these contracts. So um, yeah, it's there's going to be some some tough decisions to be made in Calgary.
0: You got Lindholm, um, of course Noah Hannafin as a pending UFAs. How much time do you think Craig Conroy gives this club um, where they are before they make a move? If this team doesn't make a significant turnaround,
2: I think about thirty to forty games is 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 a, is, is a good time frame. that you, you you see where you are at the thirty game mark. You see where you are. It's you know in that area. Um, usually, you know, teams say that you know. American Thanksgiving, if you're not in the playoffs then American Thanksgiving, probably won't be in the playoffs. So I think there's some issues there. Um, but yeah, I think you have to give it at least, at least give them time to kind of recover and, and, and regroup. So I think 30, 40 games. And once you get to that mark, then I think some decisions, hard decisions will have to be made.
0: Uh, Derek Van Deest of NHL.com with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I can't have you on a WST without talking about the other team on your beat. You've seen them play in Calgary and, and in Edmonton so far this year Derek um, what were your expectations of the Jets and uh, how does what they've done on the ice compare to what you were thinking to see uh, from Winnipeg
2: I like the Jets I like the moves that they made I, I really do think that they are probably one of the deepest teams up front in, in the National Hockey League I do believe that they have the ability to roll those four lines my concern was who's going to score all the goals for the Jets but I think They're going to do that by committee, and I think they're really, really fine in the game. You're right. I was at that first game when they played Calgary, and they should have won that game, but that's the type of style of hockey they're playing. They're a team that just keeps coming at you and tries to wear you down, and they're able to do that with the four lines that they have right now. They're able to kind of just wear you down and keep going and keep going, and I really like the makeup of this team. I like their back end. Obviously, they got a great goalie, and if he's playing well, then everything kind of fits into place. So I I do like the way the Jets are going. I think – Right now, you know they've lost a couple of a game in overtime and shoot, a shootout the other day, I believe. So I think they're there. They just got to find the goals from other sources. And I think, you know, if they get three goals a game, four goals a game, they're going to win those games because I think defensively they're that good enough. It's Just a matter of getting to that three or four goal mark uh, might be an issue. But I really like the depth that they have, and I think that they need they need the entire lineup to contribute to succeed.
0: Yeah, I mean that was one of the big differences from the first week. I mean Hellebuck didn't look like Hellebuck for his first three starts um and right now which is quite in contrast to what we've seen the last few years the special teams have been an anchor for the team as opposed to something that sort of propped them up um we're going to get into the power play with the Winnipeg Jets a little later on with JP Vaje but before we go you know with someone that covers from a league perspective on those four teams um there was so much talk in the off season about the pending UFAs in Calgary and especially in Winnipeg um Thanksgiving was a huge day here in uh, in the peg as the Jets announced dual identical signings of Hellebuck and Shifley. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that move to commit to those guys? Um, the message that it sends both in Winnipeg and the league of star players like that staying here um, and doing it for the same amount of money really seemingly buying into uh, the team together.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's the, the, the key there. They, they believe that They have the core here to win a a Stanley Cup, and they've been part of this core for a long, long time. They like the way things are going here. They like the way the the team has been built, and they want to be a part of it. Now, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that, would they have gotten that kind of length of contract? I think they would have got the money, but the length uh, somewhere else, you don't know. But I I think what Winnipeg wants to do, and and, and I know that they have a good young crop of players coming up. They want to kind of just keep building on their success they don't want to tear it all down and start it all up again and if you lose those two guys then that looks like kind of a full rebuild so I think they want to kind of maintain that core and I think they believe their window is still open I think their window is still open and they're going to take a run for it here I think they have a really good young they have a good core they have a lot of good young players around them and they have a lot of good young players coming up so I think there's going to be a lot of years of success in Winnipeg and I think they saw that and they said hey we don't want to blow this up and rebuild it. We have a lot We have a lot of good things going on here.
0: Derek Van Deest of NHL.com with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk DVD. This was awesome having you on. Um, I know you're filling the big shoes of our old pal Tim Campbell yeah. on the Western Canadian beat. Um, just before we go, fill people in on uh, what you've got cooking at NHL.com and where they can find all of your content.
2: Well, all my content is on NHL.com. We just wrapped up all the uh, work for the Heritage Classic, so it's been good. Uh, doing some work with the Hall of Fame inductions coming up. That's that's going to be exciting on Monday. Uh, you know, I did a big piece on Pierre Lacroix being inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I talked to a lot of people that had worked with him uh, back in the day. So, yeah, we go to the Hall of Fame inductions, and then we kind of roll through the season. So I'll be... I'll be uh, you know, covering the Western Canada beat, and hopefully I'll get out to Winnipeg soon enough. Let later. us know
0: when you pop by the peg. We'll have a cold one waiting for you. Thanks so much for doing no, this. Okay. Really
2: appreciate it, Derek. No problem. Anytime. Thank you.
0: Give, give him a follow on Twitter at Derek Van and Make sure to check out his work at NHL.com. Great stuff. I had a real fun time hanging out with him and Tommy Gazzola when I was out for that game a couple weeks ago. Um, we're going to focus in now on the Winnipeg Jets. Bill coming up a little later on. We've got a great conversation coming up. We're going to ask JP Vijay on his early season thoughts on all aspects of the Winnipeg Jets and try to figure out how to get that playoff or that power play moving. Uh, Of course, the Jets in Vegas tomorrow night in Arizona Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. game, Tuesday in St. Louis, and then back. Your next time to catch the Jets live is a week Thursday Big Central Division matchup against the Nashville Predators. I know they're doing a moose promo that night. With um, uh, We're going to find out more about that next week, kind of uh, maybe celebrating a little bit of the history of the team that paved the way in between NHL incarnations. So uh, as an old moose guy, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but, of course, you've got smaller packages available at winnipegjets.com as well, uh, and uh, single-game tickets for that game. The Dallas game now moved to 2 p.m. on November 11th. Finish up the rink, uh, the game at the rink, and maybe head down to the stadium for a good old Winnipeg doubleheader before the West Final. And then uh, the New Jersey Devils in town as well in a back-to-back game. Buffalo and Arizona on Grey Cup weekend. What a sports weekend that'll be with uh, two home games and then hopefully our home team playing in Hamilton for the Grey Cup, WinnipegJets.com for more information on ticket information and all the upcoming games on the five-game homestand beginning next Thursday. Um, let me thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, who have great prices, gang, on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. And with the snow on the ground and maybe people not wanting to get out as much, let them take care of it for you. Online ordering is available at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. And if you get your order in by 11 a.m., you'll enjoy same-day delivery from Vita Health. And uh, if you wait till later on in the day, you'll get it the next day. Uh, Hey, by the way, don't let the stress of the upcoming holidays and the winter upon us get to you. Try Health First Ashwagandha Supreme, known for its stress-lowering effects, effective for reducing mental stress, anxiety, cortisol levels, and even stress-related food cravings. And even better, Winnipeg's love a deal. Health First Ashwagandha Supreme on sale all month at Vita Health, proudly family-owned and operated in Winnipeg since 1936. Vita Health Fresh Market empowering people to lead healthy lives. 6 Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Well, what a uh, last few months it's been for Wallace & Wallace. We all know that they are the uh, fencing experts in town, and we've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. What you might not know is that they're also the leaders in overhead doors. as the clopay dealer in Manitoba. And that overhead garage door of yours had lots of ups and downs this summer, getting you and your family to all that summer fun. But that garage door is about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. And that, of course, is Wallace and & Wallace. And hey, with the holidays around the seas around the corner, now we're into November. I still can't believe it. Um, guys, you might be looking in that closet and thinking, "Geez, I need to up my menswear game for the winter and what is to come. Well, if you are in that category, you need to get on down and see Andrew, Alex, and the gang at F Apparel. So much waiting for you um, to look a little better for those big dates, including custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles to go great with that suit, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories you won't find any better anywhere. Um, so it's all there for you at F Apparel. And don't forget, if you're getting married or in a wedding party, talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount for wedding parties when uh, you get the suits uh, for the fellas over at F Apparel. Pop by and see them, 190 Smith Street, downtown. You can make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right, Scott Billick coming up a little later on. Right now, though, it's been a minute since we've had J.P. Vige join the program. Let's welcome Vige in now to get his thoughts on the early season Winnipeg Jets. Vige, what's going on? How
3: are you? Yeah, we're good. Enjoying some snow. It feels like hockey season out there. <laughs> yeah,
0: it definitely feels like <laughs> hockey season. You know, we usually always get it around Halloween We got it a few days early, and uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. But you're right. It is hockey season right now. We're uh, buckled up and ready for it. Hey, just before we get into um, talking a little Jets, I like the – you've done something with the digs there. Is that an
3: old Orlando Solar Bears jersey on the back? It is. uh, (laughs) A long time ago, my wife, for my 30th uh, birthday, uh, put all these jerseys in professional frames and did a fantastic job, so now – they're up around the house, and we relive our glory days. You got some, what are those, championship
0: hats from all the uh, the, the rings that you've got? What
3: else is in yeah, there? Yeah, I hung up every championship hat. They've never been washed since they've been worn on championship night, so some are a little bit yellow and full of champagne and beer and whatever else <laughs> is thrown on there, some sweat. And then, uh, yeah, so I like to keep some of the memories around because uh, you work hard for them, you might as well enjoy them. No doubt about it. Um, Vij, let's get
0: to it. I mean, we're very early into the season, um I, I want to specifically focus in on the power play and the special teams with you in a minute because that's been somewhat problematic for the Winnipeg Jets. but overall, and especially at five on five, what have you thought about the uh, 2023 squad as opposed to what we saw finish the season last year against Vegas?
3: Well we've seen a deeper lineup, right? Uh, you know the subtraction of PLD and the addition of the three players uh, really comes in and provides a lot of options for Rick Bonus and company and I think you're seeing that. Um, they've talked about being able to play the fourth line against almost anyone. We're seeing them, uh, you know, play and and be effective and and do something. At at times, back last year, the fourth line wasn't playing, wasn't doing anything. So you don't really know. They didn't feel like part of the team. Right now, we're getting contributions from the first line, the second line, the third line, the fourth line. And you can probably intermingle these lines and pieces anywhere. So we're seeing depth. It's a model that's been coming to the National Hockey League. You're seeing less top-heavy teams. You look at the Vegas Golden Knights, the St. Louis Blues. Teams have won the Colorado Avalanche. who have won the Stanley Cup, have some high-end talent, and then sprinkle depth throughout the lineup. You're going to need your difference makers, but you also need to count because it is a long season. One guy can't carry the team. Let's go look at Edmonton. They're super top-heavy, and right now we're not sure what's going on there because they are struggling to find their identity And if Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl don't get five points a game, they're losing.
0: Vij, within the team dynamic, um, I mean, listen, I think we all know that at times in the past, the Winnipeg Jets have played their fourth line, you know, five minutes of charity shifts at some point, but basically it was a three-line team. What does it do to the other three lines when you are developing a reliable fourth line that can play double-digit minutes on a nightly basis?
3: Well, it keeps them accountable, right? If they're not on... Mm -hmm. Look who's going to get a few more minutes, a few more shifts, right? I I think you have accountability throughout your lineup. If, you know, whole perfetti line's not going, guess who's getting more minutes? Kapari and Lowry are probably going to split split those minutes coming through. So it keeps everyone on their toes and, and hungry because, you know, darn well, if you're not having your game, you might miss one or two shifts, which doesn't sound like a lot, but to a hockey player, that's like life and death right there, missing a shift. And knowing that I got to be on. So that keeps everyone accountable and hungry through the year.
0: You know, I kind of want to ask you about a few players, but you mentioned Perfetti. We may as well start there. I mean, uh, a a brief audition at center, uh, a move to the wing with Nemetsnikov in the middle, playing with Ehlers, who missed all of training camp, who I think has been really up and down, been better over the last couple of games. But you you see the best of Ehlers in one game, not so much the next. Talk to us, if you would, about the challenges the Perfetti's going right now and the fact that he has been, I think he's number one in the league in primary assists right now in limited ice time compared to many of the other players. So what have you thought about just his situation in the early part of the season for the young uh, forward?
3: Well, I was excited to see what he was going to do down the middle. But I think, you know, let's go back to every NHL player. Paul Maurice stuck, you know, who did he stick with? Patrick Liney, Nikolai Ehlers, you know, old faithful Brian Little to help them grow their game, understand the pace, control things. And I think this is basically, was was Cole Perfetti ready for that move to play down the middle? I think that's a lot to ask. Who's had limited experience and has been banged up for a long time uh, during his tenure in the National Hockey League so far. So to me, uh, it's a quick test to see if he's ready. I think he showed bits and pieces of being ready, but there is so much responsibility on that center offensively, defensively, you know, covering for your line mates and so on, that it was maybe a touch too much to ask too early for him to do. Moving him to the wing has kind of let him just play. And it it took a a week or 10 days for him to kind of find his groove on the wing. It kind of had left him. But now we're seeing him win a few puck battles, understand when to chip the puck out and, and so on. And adding the Mestikoff down the middle, well, there's the Brian Little security blanket. He does a little bit of everything. He's always in the right place. He may not get you 1,000 points, but you know he's going to chip in offensively, be good on the D zone, make sure the puck gets to those offensive players, and he'll create a little bit offensively as well. So I think that's been a security blanket. And then adding Nick Ehlers, who is just starting to find his stride. No training camp. We see it year after year. There's a, lot, a holdout of a player who doesn't have a contract. What's the op? optics of that year they always struggle to find themselves offensively kind of chasing the game trying to find a rhythm uh, with the team so Nikolai Ehlers is trying to find rhythm in himself early looks to have sort of found it here and there not consistently yet but chasing it and then add the chemistry of those three players how are they playing together how are they going to jive uh, who goes where when who's on the forecheck who's F3 so I think that's starting to come uh, and I think it'll take time uh, we're only 10 games in and those guys have really only been playing together for maybe a handful of games. What's going to happen with all that? Till an injury happens, it'll stay the same, but you know, you hope to have some more chemistry as, as that progresses. You know, you mentioned
0: Nemetsnikov, and he, <clears throat> he doesn't always stand out, but he just seems to be a guy that can do so many different things and many of the little things, right. That he is a good fit. Um, What do you make of Nemestikov in the middle there, in particular with Nikolai Ehlers, who many centers have had a real challenging time being productive with, ironically, because of what a great player he is.
3: Yeah, and sometimes Nikolai Ehlers is so good that he doesn't conform to the hockey world, uh, you know, uh, up and down the wing and, and do those things like everyone else wants to do to be able to read off of. So that creativity he has is very difficult to play with. But I think Nemestikov having that, you know, European flair of having seen those kind of guys played in different environments, played on the first line, played on the fourth line, uh, can really be the quiet, quiet Brian Little, right? Put up some numbers, but at the end of the year, he's probably going to be a quiet guy with 50 points this year, uh, doing a lot of face-off winning, dishing out pucks, getting to the net, covering for mistakes, and doing that, and everyone's going to go, oh, he's not that good. Problem is, you don't hear his name in the flashy moments. You hear his name... We need to puck out of the zone in the last two minutes of the game. He's out there, you know, maybe with Adam Lowry's line or someone else. But I think quietly he's having a real good season. And I think Kevin Dayoff realized that I can't have a top-heavy six because my bottom six don't get to play or contribute. Well, now we're seeing that one through 12 contribute, even time on the ice. Of course, your big guys are going to get more time on the power play and so on. But understanding those guys are going to get an opportunity to be part of the group and feel part of the team, and we're going to have a team environment allows the whole group to succeed.
0: Well, and I think this line is so important. I mean, they need Ehlers to be the offensive driver there. Um, And and frankly, Perfetti, night in and night out to me, just shows why they drafted him. I mean, that world-class vision, passing ability, and getting more comfortable. I mean, I think when Velarde comes back, he'll probably go back to his position in all likelihood i Allen moves was back down to the third line and this line will stay intact um, what's the potential for this line i mean when they get 20 25 games under their belt Ehlers is feeling at full um you know full capacity if you will after the slower start and missing training camp and when you look at this line what is it capable of in your mind jp
3: yeah that's good one can it stay healthy right? We have two players that have big never time. been really healthy the whole time on either sides of the wing. So if they can stay healthy and find a rhythm, I think you can have an exciting second line. And, you know, at times you'll probably see them bounce between the second and third line, depending on matchups for Adam Lowry. And, and I think that's the key, right? If we're playing a bigger, heavier team, can Adam Lowry take some of those big, heavy minutes away and allow them to have a better matchup? Uh, to, create more offensively and I think Cole Profetti as he gets more comfortable we're going to see him have more playmaking ability but also get to the net Um, the the scare for that line is it can be very perimeterish at times can we find a way to identify to get to the net because you're not going to score pretty goals every day there's got to be some ugly rebound mucker goals in there to create uh, fear in the defending team so can they do that and if they do that consistently we're looking at a very good 2A or 2B, whatever you want to call them, uh, in in the Winnipeg Jets organization. But a lot of questions. We're planning the next 25 games. You know, darn well, Huss, someone's going to get hurt within that. And that that (laughs) plan is going to get juggled. And it might not even be one of those three guys, but it could be someone else. And that affects every other line through the lineup.
0: No, there's, uh, <laughs> there's no <laughs> doubt about that. And listen, they're dealing with a big injury right off the bat in Cabe Villardi. Um, just before we get to Villardi, you mentioned Adam Lowry and the season he's had. First of all, he's the captain. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Adam Lowry's fit as the captain of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, but also his play. And I uh, granted, did not have his best game the last time out at home, uh, maybe this would sound, the answer might be different coming off that monster game he had in Montreal, but for the most part, he's been just the same guy that a lot of times was carrying this team at the end of the season. Uh, but thoughts on Lowry as the captain and uh, how he has looked as the leader of that third
3: line. Yeah, and you said part of the answer there, Huss. Being a captain has not changed Adam Lowry. He is still the same hard-working, get to the net, kill penalties, do all the things that he want. And I think that's a perfect example of what you want your leader to be. It doesn't matter that he does has or doesn't have a letter on his chest to make him a different player. He is Adam Lowry. He knows who he is. He knows what he does. He will do whatever it takes to win. If he has to score a goal, block a shot, win a face-off, do the other intangibles. And to me, having that as your leader really does things for the group. And knowing that you can quietly leave Josh Morrissey, play his 30 minutes a night and worry about that without having to worry about the group. But Adam Lowry is a born captain. It doesn't matter who you are. He does stuff for the community. He rallies the team together. He is a great teammate. He is supportive. I think you're looking at a guy who epitomizes what a leader is. He does a lot of little things that we don't see. But I also think it turns the page, and you don't like to say this, On the old agenda of the Winnipeg Jets, Adam Lowry now is the captain. He doesn't look back. He doesn't care what has happened in the past. It is about his group, and he molds that group to fit the way he wants. Would you agree that the Winnipeg Jets' identity kind of fits Adam Lowry? They're hard to play against. They're fast on the puck. They're aggressive, and they don't take no BS from anybody. That might not have always been said about past Winnipeg Jets teams.
0: Well, you know what? It's a great observation, Veej. And, you know, I mean, I know we're not, you know, in the room on a daily basis and around the club, but when you look at the trade that was made, bringing in some new players, and let's not forget Niederreiter and Domestikoff coming in at the deadline last year. I mean, they hadn't been here through that entire time. Um, Buying out Wheeler and having Blake no longer part of this club after being really the alpha, well, certainly since Dustin Bufflin left, left the dressing room. How would you... What do you think that's happened to the team dynamic with a deeper team, one that's led by Adam Lowry with some different faces in that room this year?
3: I hate to say it because one guy can't control the whole group, but I think by having Blake Wheeler leave, the, the, I mean, they're not even young players anymore. The, the Adam Lowry's, the Josh Morrissey's, the Mark Shifley don't have a question mark over their shoulder with every move they make in that dressing room. It is now their team. There is no more excuses. There is no more what if Blake Wheeler doesn't have 85 points or get his two minutes of power play time. It doesn't matter, right? That chapter has moved on. So now I think, you know, Blake Wheeler made a joke of it. You know, hopefully he's listened to all the things he shouldn't do from me uh, the other day. And I think that's a great thing. But Adam Lowry has been groomed for this since he was five years old, watching his dad through the National Hockey League, you know, play and learn. And the old school ways with the new school methods, I think, is a perfect fit. And you see it. The the dressing room is lighter. We're not hearing of any complaining. Uh, Not that we heard about a lot of complaining before, but there was always kind of cracks in the foundation, per se. But now we're not hearing of any of that, where it's just 22 guys trying to pull the same rope and get to the same finish line.
0: JP Vijay with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, You know, we had a great chat with Craig Button last year, and you look at the depth of the forward group, you know who you got in net. I mean, if there's one area that, you know, could be improved, it's probably the blue line. Looking at the blue line this season overall, what have you liked and what concerns you, JP?
3: Well, I like that they can move the puck. Um, I also like the inconsistencies on how they move, how they don't move the puck and how, We have trouble defending off the rush sometimes, I find. And and that might not even be just the defense. It could be the forwards coming back to apply help to the defense. So I think the collective defensive group uh, can be very good, but at times we're very hiccupy in how we approach that. So I think finding those consistencies will be very important. Um, They want to play tight. They want to play fast. And at times we see them play very well, give up one goal a game, and they're flying. At times you're like, where the heck is everybody going because there's no one in the right place. But I think that could be just a matter of a lot of new faces in the lineup. The back end is very consistent from the previous years. We're looking for players to take growth. And I think Nate Schmidt got his finger slapped early in the year with being a healthy scratch. And we still haven't seen him take off into what they're envisioning him be at a second pairing uh, defenseman, helping offensively a little more. We haven't seen that uh, the rest of the guys you've seen what you get consistently, but the next steps will be who is coming up to really be that number two and three defenseman is Dylan Sandberg going to continue to grow and take the ice away from the other players because he, he deserves that or shows he can do it. Uh, we're still waiting on who's the Defunco factor after Josh Morrissey. Cause at times, Neil Pionk, you're like, he's got this. And then other times you're like, where's he going? Uh, <laughs> so I think, I, I think that, you know, it's not nice to say I've been a player. I've, I go through it, but you're like, he's got this. <laughs> and at times you're like, I think he either needs better support or he needs to be more consistent in his games.
0: Uh, Vij, no one was under a bigger spotlight through the off offseason um, as well as early on in training camp than Mark Shifley. Um, what did you think about the dual extensions to Shifley and Halibut first off? And uh, what have you seen from Mark now that a lot of the outside noise, influence, everything's done. It's just time to go out and play hockey and win games.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait. I mean, let's go first. Kevin Shell pulls the the, the feather out of the hat because he gets both those deals. Yes, they're long contracts. Let's be clear. Uh, Mark Scheifele keeps himself in tip-top shape. Will he be the same player at 37 as he is at 30? Probably not. Nobody is. But, you know, that could be with the salary cap uh, moving up like they're talking about, that could be a steal for the next seven years. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, you're in a win mode now. You have one of the top five or six goalies in the National Hockey League locked up for the next seven years. Uh, I think it's quietly... Goes under the radar is probably one of the best moves of the summer for the Winnipeg Jets, never mind the trades and the acquisitions. But he solidifies having, you know, his number one center and his number one goalie for the next almost decade. Um, looking at Mark Schifley, we really didn't see a change in him. I think it just helps him validate himself and continue to grow his game. And now, you know, with the encouragement of, Adam Lowry and company, uh, they're just going to grow as number one, two, and three centers through the organization for the next seven or eight years. Now Mark Shifley just has to go out and play hockey. And I think we saw it early, uh, lots of energy. We saw more fisticuffs out of him than mm-hmm. we, we've seen in a long time. But showing that passion to the group and knowing that he's going to drag them into the fight now. And that's what you want your number one centerman to do, not just to be your skilled guy, but drag the team into the fight to make sure everyone's ready.
0: Has he seen more engaged to you? I mean, listen, we all know that at times he was a pretty one-dimensional player and was criticized maybe for cheating on offense and not caring as much about the defensive side of the of uh, of the of the equation. I mean, when you're playing that much, you, you, you have to be better. You talked about growing his game. Has there been growth in that side of it? Because we all know the guy can produce offensively.
3: Yeah, I, I think there's been some growth in there for sure. Uh, you know, early on in the season, we saw the, you know, Called the piss and vinegar out of him he was flying he was you know throwing body checks he was responding to to stuff and i think that's a hard way to play for 82 when you're playing 22 to 25 minutes a night right so i think we've seen that maybe tail back a little bit but it'll be interesting to see can he dig in and draw the guys in the fight like he's been doing there's been growth in his game for sure but now can he continue to develop and grow that even more
0: all right, Vige. let's get down to your specialty, a little X's and O's here. Um, in the past, the Jets have been a team that, in fact, have quite relied on special teams. They maybe have not been as good at 5-on-5, five five, but they've leaned on, leaned on their all-star goaltender, they've leaned on their penalty killing, and they've tried to make things happen with the man advantage. It's been the exact opposite this year. 5-on-5, five five, they've been one of the best teams in the league, and they've been consistently good at 5-on-5, five five. They've given up a power. Of, uh, they've given up a power play goal in eight of nine. Part of that was maybe a little shaky start for Hellebuck, but right now, certainly in the game against the Rangers, it seemed like that game was determined on special teams, and it was a lack of any sort of success with the power play. What are you seeing right now from the Jets with the man advantage, and how do they get out of this funk?
3: Yeah, I think you know early on, what we saw was a direct approach from the Winnipeg Jets. If you think of that first Calgary Flames first power play, they were throwing pucks at the net and they were moving and they were zipping that puck around. What we've seen of late is a little more tendency to hold on to the puck and be stagnant in their movements. The best power plays in the National Hockey League have ebb and flow of players moving in and out of positions, making it difficult for the penalty killers to read and react to situations. The easiest thing for them is when the Winnipeg Jets get into their uh, player on one side, pass the puck, move the puck to the other side and back and forth in a one-timer from Kyle Connor. The puck has to move more. The players have to move more into positions in different positions, rotate from the bumper to net front to allow confusion. And then the seams open up for those plays. But right now we're seeing not enough pucks at the net early and then not enough movement out of the players to allow for confusion on the penalty killers, because everyone pre-scouts, everyone knows where the puck is going. It's coming to Kyle Connor, right? It's going to Mark Shifley. Morrissey's going to put it on net. But let's think of the best power plays over the last decade. Alex Ovechkin doesn't move. Everyone else moves, and the puck finds his way to him. So there's got to be some confusion created amongst the players to help get the puck to those spots at the right time.
0: Well, and, and listen, I mean, the Rangers have a, have a nuclear power play right now, and we think of Fox and Panarin. But Chris Kreider is a huge part of it. and We saw him stick that dump truck in front of Connor Hellebuck. He's one of the best tippers. That's not the a puck.
3: dump truck, Huss. that's a semi-trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I guess the question is, I mean, uh, I, I think the answer is obvious. Are so the Jets making it difficult enough on the power play for the opposition goaltenders to see the puck and be ready to stop it?
3: Yeah, I, I, not, not consistent enough, right? I think there's some traffic, but it's not consistent traffic. And I think sometimes we're looking to get too cute with a little bit of low puck movement up, down, try and get a quick one-timer. But someone's got to get in the eyes. And and I know we they've had a rotating personnel. Ehlers has been tried. Perfetti's been in there. You know, yes, we have the injury to Velarde. So I think a lot of those pieces are still finding their way. But I think the first thing is they have to move and outwork the opposition. And that really hasn't happened. We've had puck control. Notice it's been slow movement. Uh, it hasn't been bang, bang, bang. What did you look at the Rangers power play low to high shot to the net screen tip, they recover the puck. They do it again. Then the jets are scrambling. Then they find a seam pass for a backdoor one timer for Zuccarello or Panarin and, and, and company. So that has to be consistent, but they're moving. The Rangers were in different spots all the time. So it's different looks. It's a righty here. It's a lefty here. Now you're like, where's this guy going? Where has he been? You look over your shoulder, the puck's in the net, and we haven't seen that out of the Jets, and I think that's the big thing for me.
0: You, you know, Cole Perfetti, uh, you know, they did the switch with dealers and, uh, and and Fets for the last game. Obviously, the results weren't great. Um, assuming that Perfetti gets, you know, a longer look with that number one power play unit and knowing his incredible vision and passing ability, where is the best fit for him on the power play in your mind, Beach?
3: Okay, yeah, I, I, you know, to me, on you know, one of the flank sides. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of his one-timer side, so I think Kyle Connor's kind of got that locked up, and you're probably not going to move him away <laughs> from there. <laughs> but I think if Cole Perfetti can work the other flank and, and really use some deception to move and get in and out of the maybe switch in the bumper spot once in a while, and Marcheifley, I think that could create some confusion. And both players have the ability, you know, to shoot the puck or move the puck at the right time. So I think that kind of in between bumper and flank, maybe squeak into the net front once in a while to allow some, some switches with I follow. I think that'll be very important, but I think it's, can he take that next step and to believe, okay, I'm the guy here. I have to really help. I'm not the key cog in this, but I got to make sure this flows for everyone else to get there. And he, can he help on puck retrievals on that side that he's at? Because the puck retrieval sometimes doesn't happen quick enough because guys aren't getting to those loose pucks.
0: JP Vijay's with us. Vijay, last one for you on the way out. And so great to have you back on the program. Uh, We always remember Rick Ralph sold 10-game segments. We're nine games in. they got one more tomorrow. I mean, I guess they're guaranteed of being 500, Um, you know, with some pretty quality competition. Just, uh, you know, uh, put your fan hat on for a minute. Where's your optimism level for uh, where this team is at and what they're capable of right now based on uh, the opening nine, soon-to-be 10 games?
3: Well, they're not quite in first place, so the fans aren't quite in full panic mode yet. (laughs) Um, But they are showing progress – progress through the lineup, right? Like lots of new bodies, lots of new chemistry throughout, you know, your four lines up front. So you're looking for that, but they've got points. Was it four out of the last five games or something? So I think, you know, they're nipping away at points. They're keeping putting things in the bank as they like to say. So I think that's progress. Uh, There's work to be done definitely. And and I think you'll see continue to grow. And the challenge becomes how can they be? The schedule has been pretty good for them as far as, you know, time off between games. It's going to start to get heavy here real quick because the season gets compressed in a hurry. Can they continue to grind and create offensively uh, while being good defensively? So, so far so good. I think they're in a playoff spot. I didn't look this morning at the standings. Uh, You know, people are going to kind of key that Thanksgiving for the U S line is coming. That's the old deadly uh, marching first check mark on the point list. If we can be in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, you're I think 80% chance of being in the playoffs at the end of the year. So step one is you're getting there.
0: Vijay, always great having you on the program. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, Quickly, uh, how's uh, biz going on? You're uh, spending a lot of time on the rinks with the uh, young hockey players of the province on a daily basis?
3: Yeah, we're, we're grinding away helping associations this winter. We're on the ice five, six nights a week uh stayed home for halloween last night my wife was like why are you home i'm like it's halloween kids don't go to the ice
0: (laughs) (laughs) at least you get a night off too bad we didn't have a better world series game to entertain you that was pretty much was uh, over early um jp let's do this again soon all the best thank you very much for the time and uh, great talking to you again as always
3: yeah you're welcome guys we'll talk soon
0: All right, great stuff with JP. Always one of our favorites to have on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're going to uh, stay on the Jets and the National Hockey League. A few other topics. Scotty Billick coming up right away. Uh, Of course, at the beginning of the program, if you missed it, Brady Oliveira will be the Western nominee for the most outstanding player going head-to-head with Chad Kelly. And congratulations to Jamarcus Hardrick as well who is up for a, um, a season award as the most outstanding offensive lineman. And Brady Oliveira will be going up again as well against uh, in the most outstanding Canadian department against Marc-Antoine Decoy of the Montreal Alouettes. And, of course, the leader of the Blue and Gold, Mike O'Shea, up for coach of the year, going up against Ryan Dinwiddie in Toronto. Of course, all our bomber reports on Winnipeg Sports Talk brought to you by Princess Auto I don't need to tell any of you what's happening November 11th at 5.30. It's the kickoff for the West final, but I will remind you to get there early. Get outside to the Princess Auto tailgate party. I know last year they had warming stations. I'm sure that will be in effect. They'll probably add some hot chocolate to the menu, along with cheap beers, pop, hot dogs to get you ready to get loud and support the Bombers Fingers crossed on their way to the Grey Cup in Hamilton. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk, and where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them on Panette Road or Portage Avenue West. You can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Well, gang, the holidays are around the corner, believe it or not, now that we're into November. And when you're thinking about your holiday gift lists, um, you could probably take care of just about all the sports fans in the family and in your circle with one simple trip to the ultimate sports superstore, Royal Sports. I would suggest getting there before November 11th. They got a great selection of warm bomber gear, tukes, scarves, uh, hoodies and whatnot. You're going to definitely want to layer up and be uh, ready to get loud on the November 11th and tons of Jets merchandise, many new pieces, many exclusives. And, of course, they can do a jersey up for you, any style with any name, any number as well. All waiting for you there at Royal Sports. And, hey, with hockey season back, you already know the uh, for 40 years, family-owned, the uh, heavyweight champs of all things hockey. For players of all ages and all skill levels, they've got you covered at Royal Sports um, get on down there. And this is a great time to remind you, follow them on Instagram at Royal sports, Pemina. Uh, this is the time of year where you see a lot of new merchandise drops or new things coming in for the holidays that you might need to be timely to get your hands on. So at Royal sports, Pemina on Instagram as well, and pop by and see them at seven fifty Pemina highway. Um, and listen, only four games in the national hockey league tonight. We'll get to the, um, the games in the cool bet lines in a minute. Um, But we do have game five of the World Series. Um, And listen, whether you're watching the pucks, whether you're watching baseball, tomorrow an interesting Thursday night, Thursday nighter to start things off between the Steelers and Titans, followed by a late game in Vegas between the Jets and Golden Knights. Best place to get together with your gang to watch the game is always your local Boston pizza. Shout down on those world-famous Boston wings, ice-cold schooners, gourmet pizzas, and more. And make sure to check out all the new offerings on the BP appetizer menu on your next trip down to Boston Pizza. And, hey, little too cold to go out. Next best thing, order in. Get the great taste of Boston Pizza. Deliver hot and fresh to your door by ordering at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Billick in here and keep the show rolling. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun joins us now. Billick, what's going on? How are you?
4: Come on, man. I'm looking at the chat. They're waiting for the dog. They're waiting to see... If the rubber ducky is on the paintball gun and whatever, and I'm disappointed to tell the chat that I haven't done it. I, you know, I had to plan today. You know, like 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 you go to like Walmart or whatever, and you know, Halloween's just like never existed on November first, and I was hoping to have a bunch of Christmas stuff up and all that to kind of play along with the whole. Isn't, Move shift into the two month countdown to Christmas now, but I haven't got it yet. So isn't anyway. today
0: the day to hit like shoppers and all those it places is. for discounted uh, candy? You want, you Remus want, will have Huss. a take on that for sure.
4: Well, yeah, it's funny how you say that. I went last night because we were my wife and I were going to give out some candy at our condo complex here. I think we had two kids come by, but I went to Sobeys um, to buy some candy. They had already had it marked down at like 6 o'clock last night. So I think you can get it pretty cheap the night of Halloween as long as it's past like a certain certain time. They already have the signs up. So anyways, might be a pro tip for next year.
1: I think right. Remus, I think that's the move. I remember I went one time the next morning and it was all gone to like Walmart or something. If you go the night of there, yeah, right. that, that might be the he <laughs> may,
0: may be on something. There's the tip. <laughs> Don't actually participate in Halloween or give out candy when it's actually happening <laughs> That's when you go to the That's store and get to pick yeah. up the discounted uh, and then put £15 on November crushing all those bags of candy that you bought and never yeah. gave out at, uh, at Halloween. Um, hey, let's talk about just this big story in the National Hockey League today. The Sens yeah. getting clipped a first-round pick yeah. um, for their handling of the Dadunov trade. And as we speak right now, Scott, as we're live yeah. on YouTube... The Sens announcing the firing of Pierre Dorian. I guess uh, there are consequences to uh, that. It's a very strange thing. And Derek Van Dees was on earlier on. There obviously had to be a level of impropriety that the league felt like they were trying to pull somewhat of a fast one. They knew that it wasn't right, and they still went and did it anyways. Yeah. That being said, still a, uh, a a very significant punishment to the Sens. And Pierre Dorian eventually costing his job after eight years uh, on the uh, uh, with the Sens.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think my take on it is, you know, it sucks for Pierre Dorian because, you know, I, I've been hard on Pierre Dorian in the past because, like, you know, at one point the, the auto centers were just kind of spinning their tires, right? But then he was starting to do make big moves, right? Like, he was starting to rebuild that team. I, I think we've seen that. Obviously, they didn't keep to in the summer, but they did get him to Ottawa at, at one point. And, and so, like, you know, I thought this team was actually moving in the right direction under Pierre Dorian. But I think with a new owner, first of all, I, I you know you, you just wonder how long he was going to last there, especially when they hired Steve Steyos on. And, and so you bring him in and now he's going to, Steve Steyos is the intern GM. Imagine that intern peg gets taken away at some point unless Steyos goes to President, of hockey ops, or whatever, and they have another guy. But either way, you kind of wondered if you know a new owner just sort of often means they just want to install their own people, right? They want to have their own GM, president, all that kind of stuff. So you wonder now with this coming out if this was kind of they made it a lot easier to to you know throw somebody under the bus for what, how this t- went. This took place with that off, right? I mean, obviously, and and you know you're listening. I was listening to Elliot yesterday. Um, and he was talking a little bit about, you know, maybe they don't go as hard because it is a new owner. But, yeah, first-round pick, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, especially for a team that's rebuilding, right? Like, And and so let's say, you know, maybe the Senators use it this year. I think it's three years, right? They have three years where they can pick one, one of those years to do it. But, like, as a team that's rebuilding, you want your first-round picks. But then as a team that's starting to push or make that push, you want those picks potentially to – to make a use in a trade, right? You want to use those uh, you know picks to make your team better around the deadline or whatever. So it, it is it's a harsh sanction, right? Number one asset but,
0: that teams have is first yeah, round picks exactly. right now in, in in like in the cap era with right. players playing on ELCs. Yeah. With the talent that goes and turns into, you know, significant NHL players in the first round. Um yeah. it's not unprecedented. Because it happened to the Arizona Coyotes with that John Chaka fiasco a couple years back, and they lost the number one pick in the 2021 draft. But draft picks have only been taken away nine times in the league, and I believe this is only the second time it has been a first-rounder. So Mm. it's quite clear how significant the National Hockey League felt that the um, actions of the Ottawa Senators were.
4: Well, and it looks right like they tried to, like you said, pull a fast one, sweep something a little bit under the rug, whatever it was to get Dadanov out of there and trade him, right, without telling Vegas that whatever it was, he hadn't, you know, submitted his no trade or, or he had, but they just said he hadn't. Whatever, whatever, you know, the truth is here regarding that. I mean, obviously, I think we know what the truth is now based on this this penalty. I mean, this was the Ottawa Senators committing a a, a major no no. And and like you said, you know, only being the second first round taken away, uh, you know, it's interesting. It, it's funny. The NHL seems to be. I mean, we saw it with the Shane Pinto suspension. Um, they've been very uh, decisive. Let's say, on on these sorts of things, like they want to make sure that a clear message is sent. You know, if you screw around with gambling, or if you screw around with with you know, you know, trading a guy and not maybe giving the full details. Um, to the to the team that you're trading them to, um, there's going to be stiff and, and and you know harsh penalties for teams to to absorb, and so and that's the way it should be, right? Like, you know, if you want this league to be, and I'm not saying it's not taken seriously, but you know, we're looking at you look at the Charlie McAvoy hit, and I'm talking you know we're talking about player safety and all that. I mean, I think the idea that four games now seems to be maybe the running kind of number for for a head a blatant headshot. We saw it with. What's his name? And um, that missed uh, Rasmus Anderson um, on the, the line. They hit like you know. I think the league might just be taking a bit of a more stiff stance against a lot of different things from player safety all the way up to these these kind of you know boardroom these board uh, penalties that you get for for teams. So yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I think you need to keep the integrity of the league. Um, it, it always has to be at the top of the uh, up top of mind, right? And so when you have teams that are kind of Pulling this kind of crap, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, I, you saw it with Arizona. I mean, I thought that was the exact right thing that they need to do. you got to send a message. You can't be trying to circumvent everything. And, and just, it, and I, you know, I understand why you take Dorian out. It it, 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 it it erodes a lot of the trust, I think, that other GMs might have trying to trade with the Senators, right? And so I think that's something as a new owner, as Michael Landauer is, and Lauer, sorry, not Landauer, uh, and Lauer is, um, you know, you don't want to start on that foot where your team is kind of being looked down on. So, yeah, not 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 totally surprised that 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 Dorian falls on the sword here um cuz you got to think in the end he was the one that probably knew more <laughs> than anybody else that 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 uh, you know at, at that transgression at
0: least. Well, maybe now with Steos running the show from a hockey ops perspective uh, who has been named interim GM right now mm-hmm. and I believe he already was appointed the president of hockey ops, so he's was he? sort okay. of abo- yeah. above Dorian. So he's taking over right now. It probably was a bit of an uncomfortable situation for Pierre I to can begin imagine. with. Um, well, you see
4: the writings on the wall, but, right? I, I, but I I'm sort of yeah. with
0: you. I mean, I, I actually have a lot of time for the job that he's done. I mean, the chicken yeah. trade. Um, listen, I thought they needed to be and in, you know, in these markets. Sometimes you need to be aggressive to try to move yourself yeah. forward. They did that with the Debrincat trade. Listen, they were they were in a, they were in a yeah. tough spot, and and maybe when you compare what the Winnipeg Jets got for Pierre Luc Dubois compared to what they got for um, DeBrinkat, who were basically at mm-hmm. the same point in their careers with one year before UFA, might have been a little bit underwhelming, but they got a pick back, and um, but now they yeah. move on. And I'll say this: I mean, to your point about the trust within the league. I can guarantee you that the Vegas golden Knights weren't picking up the phone from Pierre Dorian after all that went, had that happened. So maybe no, a fresh I mean, start with new ownership and a new yeah. guy calling the shots kind of changes the scenario or the situation a little bit amongst their peers for the Ottawa senators.
4: Well, and, and and it was important for Vegas to make sure that they cleared their name. Right. Because I think back when Absolutely. this happened, we were talking about how, how did Vegas, you know, screw this up. Right. Like, Vegas is a well-run organization. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen how aggressive they've been um, at chasing a Stanley Cup, and obviously won it last year. um, In that 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 way, they're a little ruthless at times, but that's how they've they've kind of done it. But but if you're you know anybody in that, from Foley to all the way down to you know McPhee and then McCrimmon, there, uh, the last thing that you want is to be thought like you were trying to pull the fast one on Anaheim, right? Like. I don't think that's, you know, and and so I think in the end, Vegas wanted to be exonerated from this before anybody else, right? So, I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a big thing for for Vegas to have this come public, that it it was on Ottawa. It wasn't on them. They were kind of, you know, the wool was pulled a little bit over their eyes, and and, and so they they were the ones early on that seemed to have egg on their face. But, you know, that's not the case now, and I think this, this has sort of been you know, let's say rectified. I guess in the end, and uh, you know, I think it's you know bad for Ottawa in a sense, um, but it's good for the league that they're that they got it right. And that you know, I guess the only question that you have in the end is how did this take so long to, you know, kind of come. It's been what two years since they tried to trade that yeah. off. So it, it did take a long time. I mean, I guess in the end, you want to make sure you get it right. Um, I, I I guess the cynic in me thinks of the timing is like, okay, well. If this was the case, I mean this is an easy out for Andauer and the organization to get rid of Dorian, right? Because this was an easy one. So maybe I don't know. I thought this might come out maybe before the sale, right? You want to get this done before the sale happens, but I assume every every party here was sort of involved all through the process. So you know you it, know it what? is what it is. And, and yeah.
0: And, and you know, with Dorian moving on, the one thing I'll give him a ton of credit for is his ability to sign extended long-term yeah. contracts with some of the key pieces. Like if you look at where yeah. Ottawa's at right now, they've got Stutzel signed till the end of 30-31 yeah. at 8.3. And when you look at his production, I mean, that's money well spent. Brady Kachuk signed his long-term deal. He's done till the end of 2028. So four more seasons beyond this. You've got Josh Norris going to the end of the 30 season and very talented mm-hmm. young player he's been hurt so it hasn't really had as much an effect but yeah. i don't think they regret that one you've got batherson signed to the end of the 2027 season artem Zub, quietly a really really quality defender 4.6 till the end of 27 and then they just got the jake sanderson deal done as well um and, and they did it not only like i think the jets in some ways have you know they've done a very good job because, and this goes right to the top with Mark Chipman and Kevin off The way they treat their players, they have yeah. always done it in a first class, uh, first class uh, operation. Um, they have those relationships with those players, and I think that's really helped them. I don't think that was ever the case with Eugene Melnick, so right. it's maybe even more impressive what he was able to do. That being said, um, they're right where they've usually been at the bottom of the Atlantic Division. <laughs> in an ultra-competitive uh, East and East Division, both they and Buffalo right now. I mean, there's a real sense of urgency to get wins right now and not fall too far behind the usual suspects. So, uh, anyways, that was uh, that was a yep. huge story today. And one of the other things that came out after the show that we should touch on, and we hit it quickly at the start, um, in, in, in epic Paul Stastny fashion, um, <laughs> retiring without really saying anything, and then, LeBron just said, Hey, so how are things going on? He's like, Oh, things are going great. Yeah, I haven't filed the papers yet, but basically decided at the end of September that I was done. Yeah. Just didn't really tell anyone. Um, yeah. Great piece there in the athletic. And uh, it was neat to see how fondly Stasny thinks about, um, you know, his time here in Winnipeg. And certainly, Winnipeg, I think, thinks fondly about his time and what he was able to do for the Winnipeg Jets. He's a very key member of the club twice.
4: You know, the thing with Paul Stasny, I think, is it's almost like he legitimized this town when it comes to, um, we remember, We all remember the talk about nobody would come here, right? Uh, players wouldn't waive their no trades to come to Winnipeg. He was the first one, really, like the, first, the big name, right? To waive his no trade from St. Louis that year. Right? It might have even been a no movement at the time. And come to Winnipeg to take a run at the Stanley Cup with the Jets. And, I think that's the one deal that if you like, you, the Jets went searching for Paul Stasi for two years after that, right? They, they were looking. at like Kevin Hayes wasn't that guy, and then the year after, I mean, you know, the year after was a little different because of COVID and all that stuff. But, um, he was the guy, right? Like he was the guy, in my opinion, that l- legitimized the how it, it changed a little bit of the way that I think. I don't even know if it was the league, but just like it, it helped. I think it helped fans. I think it helped mm-hmm. the town. I helped, I think it helped the organization a little bit to think, like, you know, we can get these guys to come to this town, especially at the deadline, if there's a win, and if there's a chance to win a Stanley Cup here. Um, and so I think that's maybe the biggest thing that Paul Stasny did for this team and this city is so almost sort of put them back on the map or on the map for the first time or whatever you want to look at it as a team that, yeah, t- players will come here if if they can if they can see a chance to win right so and at the end of the day i mean yeah i you know this is a guy who came here obviously i think they they, ret- they tried to re-sign him after that 27 18 18 season you always wonder what would have happened if they could have if they outbid vegas or whatever on that um because he he played so well with Ehlers and lining at the time um but yeah i mean obviously a great career maybe well, one of the better careers not to win a cup right Just quickly, his
0: his leaving after 2018 and signing with Vegas. I mean, if we want to do a little bit of revisionist history and go back. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty steadfast. I think something went rotten in this hockey club right around New Year's of the 18-19 season. Of course, Buff got hurt. Buff wasn't there for the better part of the second half of the season. Played in the playoffs. And then that was it. I I really do in retrospect wonder. And again, I have no idea whether it was just money, whether he was just like, listen, I want to go to Vegas. That's the team that I want to play for. I want to live there. I mean, no idea about all that, Yeah, but I will make a case that if Paul Stastny and his presence was on this team and in this locker room in the 18, 19 season before coming back, if he never left, put it that way, that, Maybe we would be talking about a very different history. And I'm not saying the team would have won the cup or anything like that, but I don't think they implode from within the way they did in that year if Paul Stastny is still on the club that following season.
4: And I would totally agree with you, Huss, because I think think if the other part of Paul Stastny that you would look at as part of his tenure in Winnipeg after his return was what he said in his final year here, right? After that final year two years ago now. Where he kinda ripped the band-aid off of this team and exposed some of the problems. The comments that he made at the end of that last that last year about the lack of maybe respect for one another and all that. Those were big. Like I, I think, I mean, we wanna you know, we like to use the word seismic sometimes because it was one of the one of the words that Kevin Cheveldayoff used when they they hired um, Rick Bonus and in, in, in last summer, two summers ago now. But you know, I wonder, I mean, I think that... It wasn't just him, obviously. Mark Scheifele obviously had his comments that that day, but it wasn't even at the end of the year. It was like during that time where this team was really slipping down in the last half of that season, and Paul Stasny, he would be the guy. It wasn't Blake Wheeler who was the captain of the team. It wasn't any of the assistants that came out to talk. It was Paul Stasny, a guy who'd been around the league forever, all those years in in obviously in Colorado, all those years. I mean, just the the lineage that he has with his dad and and his uncles and all that, (laughs) like there's a lot there, right? And he was the one, in my opinion, that really kind of started this team getting the ball rolling on kind of changing the culture with it because he sort of exposed the culture, right? Whether he did it on purpose or he was just being honest because Paul Stasny was often honest – very honest at, at times. and But I think what he did is, here's a guy on the outside that, that came in, and especially in the second go-around here, um, could see something that maybe he didn't see on this team um, in, in that first go-around or, or whatever it was. And, and he basically spelled it out for everybody, right? And I, I think that's, again, if there's two things that Paul, said, if there's one thing he did, I think it was back in 2017-18, and, and all that that brought the Jets and whatever. And I think that, that that extended into the following year, getting Kevin Hayes and that sort of thing. But I think at the end, he's sort of partly has become, mm-hmm. you know part of the fabric of the the, the genesis of, of this team kind of changing yeah. um, or, you know changing its ways. so because he was so he was very, very honest. and I think some of those comments really kind of exposed the fact that well why, aren't, why isn't leadership on this team saying these things too, right? Like why why does Paul Stasny kind of showed who,
0: was, who the real who the the, the leaders
4: were did in a lot of ways. Right? I mean I, I thought mean it, you wonder how much that led to you know I mean we'll never know but how much that was a cascading effect to the following year, the following season, you know, Rick bonus taking the captaincy away from Blake Wheeler. I just wonder, right? But you wonder how much actual impact that Paul Stasny has had on the Winnipeg Jets. And not even we're not even these are two things that we're not even talking about on the ice, right? We're talking about two things that happened off the ice that may have you know helped this team at different points in in this franchise kind of history since coming back from, from
0: classic Atlanta. classic T classic T <laughs> will line in the bet, chat. Yeah. <laughs> so Huss, so are you saying the fact that Winnipeg doesn't have a cup is all Stastny's fault? Interesting take. <laughs> uh, that's it's probably pushing it a little bit, but <laughs> as I say, I mean I I'm. I will never kind of get over what happened seemingly to that team that was like second overall. We knew how good they were, incredible. Um, and in in the second half of the season, and it wasn't what everyone else around them was doing. It was um, it sort of seemed like it was imploding from the inside. And I just think that you know that that effect that Sastny had, how much he was respected by his teammates, his presence there. I think probably. Um, whether it pushes it off to a later date or, or minimizes it. a little bit, yeah. stabilizes it. Yeah. Put it this way: I don't think they drop as far as they did. Um, and of course, well, we all remember how that uh, that season ended. <laughs> Anyways, we don't need to go down uh, down that yeah, road yeah. again. Um as far as right now, though, big test tomorrow. Speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, nine zero and one on the season. Um, the Jets go in there playing. Some pretty good hockey. and I mean, I'm not going to nitpick too much. I mean, they've got eight points uh, out of the possible 10 in their last five after starting one and three, probably deserving a better record at that from there. But it's pretty clear where they need to get better, Scott, right now because the five-on-fave game is good. The yep. goaltending's back. This team is killing themselves on special teams, and you'd love to see the penalty kill shore up and get a few more zeros on the board. It's only happened once this year. But it yeah. was impossible to not be talking about the power play for the last couple of days coming out of Monday night.
4: Yeah, I mean the power play is four for thirty-four, I believe, now in the season. I think that's what eleven point nine percent. That's that's very bad, and and it, it's 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 worse because of the talent, right? Like we know how good of a shooter a o- 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 Connor is. We know how good of a shooter Mark Scheifele can be. We know what Josh Morrissey can do from the point and and the shot that he has. We know what Alex Iafalo can do in front when the pucks are there, right? Like and then Nikolai Ehlers. Or Cole Perfetti or whoever's on that, that you know, um, it's changed because obviously they're just not scoring. It's four games now. I think they're over thirteen in that span. Bad, right? I mean, and 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 the problem is that coupled with the fact that the penalty kills given up a, at least one goal in eight of their nine games this season, it's it's leaving po- leaving points on the table. I, I you know I wrote about this after after the game on on uh, on a Monday night, Blake Wheeler's return. Because I think I, I counted three games now where special teams goal, a four or against, well, a special teams goal against has has kind of sewered them a little bit. Because you go back to the first Vegas game of the year, you know Jack Eichel scores there in the last five minutes of the game, and you're like, you know, they just need they needed a good PK there, right? And then and then you're up three one against Montreal. Adam Lowry takes a penalty, and it just kills the momentum. The Jets were absolutely dominating that game all the way up until that. They built the 3-1 lead early in that second period. And then, you know, it just, it gave Montreal some hope and they were able to score. And then you go from there. Same thing happened against the New York Rangers the other night. Um, you know, the Brendan Dillon call leads to a goal, leads to the tying goal. And then all of a sudden you're in, you're in, you're in overtime and then you lose in overtime. And, and on the flip side of that, you get a 142, a four on three time against the Rangers um in overtime and you can't pull the trigger so it and it would be better you know they, they've talked about this and Rick Bonus has said this and Arneal has kind of echoed it in his time right now as the interim head coach um talking about it needs momentum right this, the problem is this power play just isn't really giving a whole lot of momentum you watch that four and three in overtime there's no why, why would the Rangers are just sitting there and, and they're not getting tired because there's very little movement and so this team is just—they're making it easy for their opposing team's penalty killers, and and you know you're like, well, well you know, just you know take some shots. There's no sh- There's no shots to be taken because they're not creating lanes with no movement. There's no lanes to be made, and so you got Kyle Connor taking a couple one-timers, but there's nobody in front of the net to try and do whatever, and, and so you're just hoping that Kyle Connor can pull off one of those, you know, seeing-eye shots where he just places it into, you know, you know, basically like a three-inch window. Um, and, and puts it in and so it, it's a problem right and 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 i think the the weird thing is like we were talking we, they had a great pk last year power play had a down year um you figured that maybe you know the pk could stay the same a lot of the same um uh personnel on it now um you figured that you know the power play would just have a rebound it hasn't yet the weird thing is though like this team's five on play play has been some of the best in the league wide right which is sustaining this club. But I think you could make the argument. They could have beat they could have beaten Vegas. And and, and there is a, there's an argument right now. The Jets could actually just be eight and one right now, if and, and at the very least, maybe seven and two, if special teams didn't leave points and points on on, on the table for them. And so yeah, it, it's it's you know, it's early season, right? But I mean, I think we have to think you know, the reason why the Jets got in the playoffs last year is because they stacked so many points up until Christmas, right? They had all these points, even into a little bit into the new year. They were just stacking points, and so when they started to slide at the end of last year, they had a relatively pretty good cushion, right? So they didn't fall completely out of it. Um, you know, at four, three, and two right now. You know, they're three over and two in the last five games. I get it, um, but I think there's room here. There's obviously room here to improve. And right now, I think they probably left. You know, maybe maybe upwards of four points. Um, in my opinion, on the table right now. So we'll oh, see what that means in the end. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you tough. mentioned
0: momentum. I mean, it also can suck the momentum from a five-on-five game. and a right. team gets a big boost from a big kill. And I think they got to yeah. do something to get more traffic. I mean, I just couldn't help but watch Chris Kreider making um, life miserable for yeah. Connor Hellebuck in front of the net. And then you add in his all-world deflection ability, which included a goal yeah. in that game. And you realize how big of a uh, how big of a turning point it is. Um, interesting road trip, though. I mean, it, it it starts off. It probably gets progressively easier, at least on paper. Starting with Vegas, going to an so, Arizona team that is no joke this year, and then a struggling Blues team, and then a big five game homestand back at Canada Life Center. And uh, you're exactly right. It's about stacking points right now. And even without getting two in their last couple games, I uh, probably feel like they deserve to. Um, you know, they uh, it's the regulation losses that kill you right now and see if they can pull anything out of Vegas tomorrow night and then take that yeah. on the road to, uh, to Arizona. Uh, Scotty, what do you got cooking in the uh, sun over the next few days heading into the weekend?
4: Yeah, off today, but we're going to look at the 23 guys, do our monthly look at, um, you know, where the guys are at all that going on and, uh, yeah, see what, uh, see what tomorrow brings out of Vegas. We'll see. I, I, I think, again, I think they can be competitive against this Vegas team. I know Vegas is 9 I just they're due for we, a loss.
0: I'll say yeah, that. <laughs> well, eventually,
4: at some point, right? And and maybe even the regulation was. And I thought the Jets. I thought the Jets had every chance the last time they met to, to actually do that. So yeah, it should be good. I, I you know I, I think it's a good game. It's a great matchup. And then again, and then you, gotta go and you got to go in. You got you for sure have to take care of business in Arizona and St. Louis uh, before they they get back here. And uh, yeah, start that, that five gamer like you said.
0: Good times, dude. Uh, thanks for doing this. You can get back to. Uh crushing those fun-sized candy bars <laughs> take it I easy
4: a, i have a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk later Matt. <laughs> right on <laughs> there
0: yeah. is uh there is scott Billick of the winnipeg sun great to have him uh him with us um gang i mentioned this at the beginning of the program but circle the date december 6th wednesday night 7 p.m little brown jug we're gonna have a winnipeg sports talk holiday gathering we're uh, working on some uh, fun gifts for folks. We'll uh, have some fun giveaways. I'm hopefully going to uh, get a little bit of a mini bubble hockey tournament going with uh, some of our regulars. Remus is even talking about potentially cranking out the NHL 94, uh, but uh, it will be festive. It will be merry. And uh, we hope you can all uh, join us and uh, all funds from, uh, we'll probably do, and I'll have updates on this for next week. We'll probably do an Eventbrite ticket similar to the, um, sports trivia night. Um, just a minimal cost to reserve spots, and uh, we'll just put all that money told towards the charity and all likelihood, the Christmas cheer board. Uh, but save that date, December 6th. More information coming up over the course of the next month, and uh. Tell you what, Little Brown Jug is going to be a very, very fun place to go. Uh, everyone likes to have a have a few drinks and uh, nothing better than Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Did get a message from Tanner as well. Um, make sure to follow them on Instagram, uh, Little Brown Jug Brewing, uh, as well as on Twitter, because they're going to start. There has not really been a place that you'd go to watch a game in the past. But they're going to start playing some of the Jets and Bomber games in the tap room. There's not really a set schedule of right now, but definitely follow that. You'll see notices from it. And I'm sure at one of the games where they are planning on doing that, we'll do a little get together at one of our favorite places to uh, toss a couple back, Little Brown Jug down on William Avenue. And again, uh, pop by there now. Great place to get together with your friends in and around the holidays for the next couple months. And uh, a great gift as well. The great taste of Little Brown Jug. Uh, pop by and see him there. You can find Little Brown Jug wherever sells great beer. And of course, it's available now at Canada Life Centre and Investors Group Field. And um, go to littlebrownjug.ca. Great merchandise as well, which might make a nice little gift for the uh, LBJ fan in your family. And uh, hey, I've got to give uh, thanks to Nick and Nicky DQ. Listen, there's three locations now in Winnipeg. DQ Polar Park. DQ Northgate with the drive through and, of course, the DQ in Niverville. But I know what's really keeping Nick and Nikki busy right now is the launch of the new pita Pit in Niverville. Um, obviously, Remus talked about it yesterday. Huge fan of Peter Pit. Uh, healthy, fast, delicious, fresh. Uh, but they also do amazing catering. So um, if you need catering, school lunches, holiday parties, birthday parties, and want something a little healthier but still delicious that everyone will love, Pita Pit's the spot to do it. If you do want to um, get a catering order, and they can take care of you citywide as well, um, you can email them at niverville at petapitmb.ca or Instagram or Twitter at Pita Pitt niverville. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, before we finish up today, let's get to the cool bet lines. And Remo, how about that pick last night? LA plus 135 in Toronto to take on the Leafs. We also got the plus 264 Parley with the Canucks. And uh, it just keeps going. I am now with that 2-0 this week for the daily pick on Coolbit Canada. Previous week doing it was 5-0. and And I just got a message from Jake that he went back and checked out my last week on the job for the lock shop. It's now 10 in a row. Because I had three in a row finishing up that final week. So uh, I'm just trying to stay hot, trying to stay doing what we're doing. And we got four games tonight to choose where I'm going to get the pick from.
1: That's really impressive, Hustler. Uh, Well well done. Uh, L.A. over Toronto. I mean, L.A.'s a deep team. And I think fans of the Maple Leafs are realizing that they really only have two lines and, you know, maybe the, f- the third on those lines is questionable, not going as well as they like. The acquisitions of Bertuzzi and Max Domi in L.A. Watch out, man. They, man uh, Trevor Moore, Dan O. And Kaliev, solid second line. P.L. and Fiala, line three. And Kopitar, Campe line one. Uh, and with Byfield, too. I mm-hmm. mean, that is a strong team, L.A. We did see them here. And they really took it to the Jets uh, after the Velarde injury
0: but well and and when they get a lead yeah. they are so difficult to come back on I and mean, when we saw what they did to, they just squeezed the jets with that 131 one, and the jets did not really have an answer probably the two most frustrating periods from a player and from a fan standpoint all season long have been the second and third period unfortunately that was our first wst game looking forward to seeing all of you November 30th for our next game against the Oilers mm-hmm. and Connor McDavid uh, but tonight we got four games And I think where I'm leaning, I think I'm going to go back to an underdog tonight. And the Buffalo Sabres in Philly. Um, Follow at Canada on the socials, and uh, I'll make the pick after the show and throw it out there. But listen, Philly's been good so far this year. I think better than many of us expected. And they've actually played pretty well at home. They've got three big wins at home that were probably parley killers for people putting together their picks for that night. They beat Edmonton. They shut out Vancouver 2-0, and Vancouver's been awesome so far this year. That's one of their two losses. And then they did it to the Minnesota Wild last week. Tonight, though, they're hosting the Buffalo Sabres. Phillies minus 115 home favorites. The Sabres a slight dog at minus 102. I actually really like Buffalo here, and this kind of goes to what we were talking before, Remus, about where the Sabres and Sens are in that division. I mean, you look at what Boston has done coming off that President's Trophy win last year. They're 8-0-1. The Red Wings have had a great start. They've got 13 points through 10 games. The Habs are 5-2-2. Two, and, two. and then you've got the Lightning and the Leafs at 11. Oh, and don't forget about the Panthers who won the East last year at 9 points in 8 games. So the Sens are 500. The, uh, the Buffalo Sabres are 4-5 and five right now. Like there has to be a sense of urgency from these teams to not end up where they've been the last few years. And that's way behind playing catch up and really only hoping to have some meaningful games without any real hope of the playoffs. The Buffalo Sabres have bigger intentions this year. They want to break this 12 year streak of not being the postseason. They cannot get too far behind. They're coming off a four nothing home shutout over the Colorado Avalanche in their last game. Um, I think this is a spot where we will see the Buffalo Sabers play with the urgency that their situation dictates, and uh, I like Buffalo to get this one on the road tonight against Philly, who is three and two at home so far
1: this season. I have nothing else to add on that. Huss. I agree. Philly's surprised me. I keep betting against them and take you know picking against them on on DraftKings, and uh, they've they've beat me, and uh, I think feel like Buffalo. They're ready here to take a W road. Uh, road favorite slight very slight road favorite minus 102 so actually sorry that is the under, that is the slight underdog um
0: yeah it's so philly's, yeah, minus philly's minus 115 so we then move on to Dallas and Calgary and as we talk with DVD early i mean it seems pretty dire right now in Calgary and uh, i don't doubt that that'll be a team that'll come out kind of playing some desperate hockey looking to get a win after their loss in the heritage classic um i just don't think they're good enough <laughs> to go up against a team like the Dallas Stars that is rolling right now. Dallas at minus 134. Hard to go anywhere else than the Stars on the money line tonight.
1: Yeah, I'm leaning Stars. I don't know. I feel like Flames got to win one of these days, but they're so bad, and it's not going well. And you're hearing, like, Zadarov talk about how they're playing like ass and stuff like that. And, like, <laughs> they're stuck with Huberto making $10 million for a long time. and. They signed Kadri, and that's that's not working. Who was it? Sean Monahan, who they gave away for free, has more points than Huberto and Kadri combined. I think that's the big joke. They had to give.
0: I I, if I recall correctly, they gave. A <laughs> Sorry, yeah, they know. half decent pick to <laughs> they, get him off the
1: books. They gave away um, Monahan and a draft pick to get rid of it. That's correct.
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyways, Calgary plus one fourteen. I think I like Dallas at minus one thirty four. And then, of course, you got the Blues in Colorado to take on the Abs. The Abs will be pissed off after losing to Buffalo the way they did in the last game. If you want to jump on the puck line, go for it. Minus one and a half for the, Blue, for the uh, Avalanche to win by two. Uh, Dusty suggested for our partner Parlay today, we take the Abs in regulation at minus 135. And it's funny because we were trying to decide between the Coyotes and Ducks, uh, between the Coyotes at minus 134 in Anaheim, or Colorado, and I think we ended up going on Colorado. So we actually got a sweet exclusive. Let's see where it's at right now. And a great number, too. So it's Buffalo to win, Dallas to win. They can win in a shootout, win in overtime, however. And then the Avalanche to beat the Blues in regulation. And uh, our pal the Evdog at the Cool Bet HQ gave us a real nice number on this one. When we put it in, if you were just playing it yourself, it was plus 502. And uh, the boost right now is up to plus 575. That'll often come down if a lot of people jump on it. But if you like our pick, Buffalo, Dallas, Avalanche and Regulation, hit the exclusives, click the Lockshop Partner Parlay. It is plus 575. And just one other thing, just on that late game tonight between Arizona and Anaheim, not really two of the marquee teams in the NHL. We were going through this, Remus, and I don't know whether I just hadn't been paying attention to Anaheim or what. Lucas Dostal's on fire. He's four and one. And the Anaheim Ducks just ran the table Mm -hmm. on their road trip out east. Listen to this. Four straight wins, 3-2 against the Blue Jackets. That stunning comeback where they beat the Bruins the first time the Bruins didn't get two points all season long. A 7-4 win in Philly against the Flyers and then 4-3 against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Four in a row for the Ducks. After they started one and four. Um, some good things happening in Anaheim. Can they keep that going? I doubt it. Um, but they're playing a team in the Coyotes. I don't know if the Coyotes have any goals left after Pepper and the Hawks for an eight spot, putting up the snowman on Monday.
1: Yeah, for Anaheim. First game after a road trip, pass. We'll see how it goes. You know that narrative and I watched the end of that it was during the Jets game on Tuesday. I don't know if you saw this. Pittsburgh, Anaheim. Uh, Pittsburgh outshot anaheim significantly and i don't know if the refs had money on the game but they kept sending anaheim to the box so pittsburgh's got a five on three for almost the entire final two minutes of the third period they pass it around oh. sh- shot after shot had dostal's making saves and then finally as the penalty is about to expire uh pass uh supposed to go to malkin what from the left side to malkin at the top gets intercepted, they poke it down the ice, and Mason McTavish out of the box on a breakaway with 10 seconds left, scores on Jari, and so Pittsburgh loses in regulation. And I joked, like, if you're feeling bad with the Jets' power play um, on Tuesday night, well, Pittsburgh had a five-on-three at the end with all those great players, Carlson, Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, and they couldn't they couldn't score, and they give up the, the go-ahead goal. So Anaheim, I mean, they got some good young players. Mason McTavish off to a hot start. Um, you know, Troy Terry's solid player. Hey, man, they got a good lineup, but so does, so does Arizona, who just put up eight And oh, I'm actually excited for that game. I'm curious how it shakes out. I'm not sure who's going to win, but I think there are going to be uh some goals in, in that one. So, uh, two surprising teams to start the season. Yeah. Right, so I like Colorado there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, I think once, once we talked about this and where those teams are at, we felt better about Colorado and regulation. So uh, those are our picks today. Buffalo, Dallas, abs and reg. If you want to jump on that exclusive uh, from the lock shop, partly it's plus 575. Tomorrow we'll get into uh, the CFL playoff games in the lock shop. Kind of did an early look today, but the Alouettes three and a half point favorites at home against Hamilton And Calgary, six-and-a-half-point underdogs in BC against the Lions. Both of those games scheduled for Saturday afternoon. 2 p.m. in the east, 5.30 p.m. in the west. And Grey Cup odds right now, it's Argos and Bombers. Toronto plus 115 to win the big one. And the Blue Bombers plus 155. BC plus 650. Montreal plus 1250 and not a lot of uh, not a lot of people thinking that Hamilton or Calgary going to get it done hammer 16 to 1 Calgary 20 to 1 and just a quick look ahead to tomorrow's Thursday nighter it's about the fifth straight week it feels like the Pittsburgh Steelers have been in a game with a two or two and a half point spread but that's where they are hosting the Titans rookie quarterback Will Levis coming off his debut last week with four touchdowns Tennessee two-and-a-half-point underdogs in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. We'll touch on that tomorrow in the lock shop. We'll touch on it tomorrow on the program. Um, Tomorrow should be good, a game-day program. We will get into some football talk, but we'll also have Murata Teshreem to uh, set up to uh, Morrow's opener to the road trip against the Vegas Golden Knights, and then uh, I guess uh, catch up with Kenny on Friday in between Vegas and the Arizona Tilts.
1: That's right, and maybe we'll talk more about this uh, Senators press conference. Details coming out, I'm just seeing on Twitter, it's tough to follow while we're here. But since Michael Anlauer, the new owner, is saying that when he was buying the team, in the process of that, none of the Pinto investigation or the Dadunov investigation was disclosed to them, taking a shot, saying it's like they didn't want it to affect the purchase Right, so uh, there's a bit of a scud there at uh, at the league for that one. And he was he was given a 73-page document about this. What are they going to write about 73 pages with this Dadunov incident? That's why it
0: took two years. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, I'm looking, uh, I'm trying to follow it while we're doing the show. Not the easiest show to all the chatters who have helped. Oh, yes, here's the quote. Uh, from Uh here's a tweet from Frank uh, as we wrap it up. Al Lauer says the NHL did not advise him of either investigation botched data of no trade clause or Pinto sports betting incident before he closed on purchase. Quote, maybe they didn't want to disrupt, disrupt uh, the sale to make sure the seller got the best price possible. So I don't know if there's going to be something... Something more with that, or there could be some comp- lawyers
0: involved. Yeah. I smell, I smell, uh, I smell a, a legal, a lawyer uh, at some point uh, in there. Hey, um, speaking of leaving jobs with Dorian being out, uh, f- just to finish off the show, let's give a big farewell to the Josh McDaniels era in Oakland with the Raiders. I think a lot of people were a little surprised that the Raiders maybe didn't do something at the deadline yesterday. Um, well. An unnamed team wanted to trade with the Raiders before the deadline, but didn't hear back and said, explains why they ghosted us. Nobody responded yesterday. Um, Listen, Josh McDaniels in a lot of ways was the perfect clown to be driving the clown car. That is the Raiders. Um, But don't feel too bad for Josh. He's got another four years on his deal that the Raiders will be required to pay. Um, back to the drawing board. Sounds like Jimmy G's bench for the rest of the year. Uh, Antonio Pierce, their linebackers coach, is going to be their, um, their interim head coach. Um, another early pick coming up for the Raiders. They usually screw those up anyway, so uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, the Josh McDaniels era over in Vegas. And the uh, Raiders, the GM out as well. Back to the drawing board for Mark Davis. All right, that's going to do it for us today, gang. Thanks so much. Again, uh, appreciate everyone. If you're able to support the Movember cause, let's get on that. We'll look forward to showing off some of the clean-shaven members of the WST team over the next few days. Check the Movember page. Link is in the description. And uh, enjoy the World Series tonight. Remote, are you going to pick Texas just so we uh,
1: see Arizona win and uh, we Mm -hmm. get a sixth game? We picked Arizona yesterday, right? And Texas one. And I've picked. I'm pretty sure I've picked every game wrong, uh, going back to Game Six of the ALCS. So I think Texas gets it get, gets it done for sure. It's done. <laughs> Three one. All right. They're not coming back. Book it. We'll be back in Texas in a few days
0: for Game yeah. Six. I guess. <laughs> um, great stuff today. Thanks to uh, DVD Derek Van Deest of NHL.com. Great conversation with JP Vijay and Scott Billick for jumping on the program. Marat on the. Uh, docket tomorrow. Should be a good one. We'll also talk some football heading into the week in the NFL and the playoffs in the Canadian Football League so make sure to join us tomorrow. Uh, Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already folks. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and make a plan to join us tomorrow 22 hours from now 1pm live on YouTube on WST. Oh my god! Son